0: Hey guys, Trip Flip tonight on Travel Channel. It's a new episode, it's an hour-long special, it's Vietnam, and I promise you with all my heart, you will absolutely love it. It is, inarguably, our opus. It's the, one of the best ones we've ever done. Usually that's how it works, when they're hour specials, that means the network likes it so much they want to make it longer. This is fantastic. Uh, we do something in this, and I, I've talked about this before on this podcast, and in these intros, but we do something tonight that is, uh, buzzworthy. It is one of the coolest things, and I heard about it from a friend of mine, and this is the beauty of this show. I heard about it from a friend of mine. He said when he did it, they pulled a cockroach out of his ear, and so I said, I gotta do that. So we go get our ears cleaned with these surgical tools on the street during rush hour. It's fucking amazing. So go watch it. Trip Flip on Travel Channel tonight. Uh, as always... Uh Go to my pod, you know, just find me. Go go. be curious about me today. Take a day to spend the time. I put out, there's so much content I have out there. You should go check some of it out. Go to my YouTube channel. Go to my website. Check out my tour dates. F- subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. You know what? Rate, review this podcast. This is all free content. Only thing I charge for are t-shirts, my book, and my stand-up. That's it. That's it. Because we have great sponsors like Safa Mastresses. Satva mattresses, uh, it was a hookup. Honestly, it's not the traditional um, type of uh, sponsor you'd get because what happened is fellow fat friend Tom Segura got a hold of this mattress and he liked it, and he liked it so much he said he wanted to talk about it on their podcast, and they basically said, you know what, If, if, if that's the deal, then let me give some of your friends, see if they like it, see if they'll talk about it. And that was the deal, and we all fucking love these mattresses. Everyone loves these goddamn mattresses, and I do believe sleep is where you should invest your money. I am dead serious when I say that. If I have a shitty night's sleep, I feel like a dead man the whole next day. Who cares how nice my car looks? Spend fifty thousand dollars on a car? Not really. My wife never let me spend. I don't even know how much we spent on our car. I know we're trying to buy a second car, and we're having a hard time. We're fighting about it, but we don't fight about buying a mattress. We bought this really, really expensive one because I like that's the way I like to work. Really expensive. But what I didn't realize is that you're paying for all the overhead that it takes to get the mattress to the store, to get the mattress from all the bullshit, the guy who needs the parking spot. You're paying for the coffee that everyone that sells mattresses drinks. This is an online entity. So when you buy this mattress, you're paying for no overhead. It is basically quality worth, exactly the same price point you'd pay for a $2,000 mattress. You're paying for, you're spending $800. You're just... Getting the goods. They got this spinal honeycomb system. Look, I don't sell mattresses. I'm just telling you what I like. And if you like it, go to smarterbed.com. Smarterbed.com. I'm almost certain it's smarterbed.com. I could swear to you, all my children, it's smarterbed.com. If it's Smarter Beds, I'm going to be so pissed off. It's smarterbed.com. And uh, when you purchase your mattress, at the very end, how did you hear about us? Click podcast. That way they know that you guys are listening and we're reaching out to you and that we appreciate their mattress. We appreciate Satva mattresses. You could S-A-A-T-V-A is the name of the mattress company, but to make it easier, just go to smarterbed.com. Look, I'm going to read something they told me to read. See if it makes sense to you. Oh, by the way. Okay. I'll, these are some talking points. I said, they don't just drop it off on your foreste- on your doorstep. Uh, and leave you to deal with it, they deliver it and install it and then take away your old mattresses. It's a luxury product that can be folded into a box. More like you'd be sleeping on at the Four Seasons. Um, they say that if you sleep on this bed, you'll live guaranteed 15 years longer. That can't be right. Oh No, I'm kidding. I just made that one up. <laughs> and here's the best part. They give you a risk-free 75 in-home trial. 75-day in-home trial. So if you don't like it in 75 days, fucking call them up. They'll pick it up, and they'll bring you back your old – they're not going to bring you back your old mattress. I think you're in – look, it's interesting that we talk about this because I had a conversation with the guy that we talked to today. Uh, Everyone's been asking where this podcast is. Everyone has been asking where this podcast is because I taped it, and then I did one with his co-host, and I released his co-host the very next day because I had the video, and uh, I've been holding on to it because I kind of enjoyed the attention I was getting from his fans. Why does he have fans? He's the co-host of, uh, faction radio with Jason Ellis, Jason Ellis radio. It's the faction channel on SiriusXM. XM. Sometimes I think SiriusXM XM has their heads up their fucking asses to be dead honest with you as a subscriber for 16 years. I've been a subscriber as long as XM has been around and Sirius. And sometimes I go, why can't you just make it easy for me to find my shows? That's why I got the app. Check out the app. It's really great. Um, it's on your phone. You go through data pretty quickly, but, uh, but it's not that bad, and, I, and that's where I listen to this show. Um, he is a best-selling author because he, he co-authored both of Jason Ellis's books. He is smart as shit. He's an ex-musician. He's fascinating. He's a really interesting guy. At the end of this podcast, we do an analogy off, an analogy battle, and he wins. I shouldn't tell you that he wins, but he wins. He's could very easily do stand-up comedy tomorrow if he chose to. He is genuinely a renaissance man and one of the more interesting people i've ever talked to his path in life is fascinating ladies and gentlemen put your hands together unless you're driving don't put your hands together keep them at 10 and 2 or whatever bill burr says to put them at uh my friend michael tully but uh yeah that's way my brain thinks because you know what it is i'll tell you what i'll be dead fucking honest with you I have. I'm going to therapy for the first time. Okay. And uh, and obviously, I watched the Kurt Cobain thing, and I have an issue with. I have an issue with false. With 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 uh, performers creating idolatry. Does that make sense? Performers creating idolatry. What does that mean to you? Like like <clears throat> Kurt Cobain writes amazing fucking first album. By the way, I'm. I'm talking to Mike Tully, we are sitting in the man cave. Uh we are um uh we're talking about montage of heck, which I brought up on the walk in, and you were like interesting, because I don't think you'd it sounded like you weren't totally into nirvana growing up.
1: Uh I've always been a, a contrarian. I don't know if I understand that word correctly. I'm pretty sure that just means you're a dick. <laughs> so I got
0: I, you're you're a cynic. You're a heartfelt cynic, and I know that for the first time I met you. You're a heartfelt cynic.
1: Yeah. I think what I finally learned about myself, because there's so many big movies that I never saw. I didn't see all the – I never seen like Top Gun and shit like that. And I wasn't – And that's the tip of the iceberg, Bert. (laughs) I wasn't – I didn't feel like I was trying to avoid those movies. I just feel like – I've come to realize that I need to find something for myself to like it if i find the, some little band for myself i'll convince myself of the greatest band in the world if rolling stone says so-and-so is the future of rock and roll i just li- i don't I'm, I'm trying to listen with an open no, mind yeah, but i go no fuck this this is bullshit i've heard this all before so i actually i would say i'm not like a bleach era nirvana fan but i would say i was listening to nirvana a couple months before a lot of other people were and yeah. as soon as it got that big i was like meh I'm the exact Eh, same way. I'm the exact same way. With And I was out by In Utero. Okay. Really? And I was listening to a bunch of fay shitty English bands. Yeah. Because they were the furthest thing
0: from what everybody in my high school liked. I was, I was, um, I'm that same way. We saw Dave Matthews at the Cow House. I think it's called the Cow House or the Milk Bar in Tallahassee in 90, probably, it's before I went to Russia. So 94, in 94. Maybe 93 even. And he, he was amazing. I mean, I was blown away. And we got, everyone got his album at his show. And we all played it. And then when he got popular success, I was like, I cannot stomach this. And the girl I was dating who ended up cheating me and sleeping with my best friend, she loved it. And she, that was like her jam. And, and, and then she cheated on me when I got back from Russia. Well, at, least you're, at least you're over it now. <laughs> Dude, I am dying to run into her. I swear to God. She's an actress in New York. I'm dying to run into her one day and just be the shallow piece of shit I, I am in my heart. You know, like just be like, oh hey, are you still trying to act? Because you told me I'd never be a comedian, and and oh my god, what time is it? Oh, I'm sorry. What like just a fucking asshole? Because I really it, it did it did really burn me. I hope she's happy. In all honesty, but like you know, there's some little part of hey, you, you, don't, you you hope she's not a leper or anything. I hope she I hope she's I hope she's still hot. To be honest with you, I don't know why. I hope she's still hot. And I run into her, and I look disgusting compared to what she dated. Like she'd be like, oh, God, thank God I dropped out when the stock was at the highest. So, but no, but I, I feel the way you felt is that Dave Matthews epitomized for me mediocrity. It epitomized, you know, Kirk Cobain said in this interview, they said, now you guys are the it band. And he goes, everyone just wants to be hip. Like he's like, almost like they don't like our music. They just like the fact that everyone's playing us. And it was fascinating to me because that's how I feel. And I, f- I felt that way with comics. Like comics that I thought were brilliant then they get mainstream success and all of a sudden i'm like uh, you know
1: now i know there's this weird code of omerta in the comedy world gonna, which, I'm which i'm dumber not,
0: than you are what's omerta
1: um what god it's uh my brain isn't fully awake yet omerta is the the mafia thing of we don't talk yeah so i'm not a standup comedian so i can like freely express my opinion Big about comedians in your life, by the way what's that
0: but you're not not ever getting on stage into a standup it's not too late it's not too late and I would definitely do it if I were you. You're one of the funnier. I was thinking this on the treadmill. I I will simply call you third Mike only because you have this ability to not step on the conversation, not redirect it unless it's necessary and you consistently say the thing that is 10 times funnier than anyone said in the room and you don't you don't try it a hundred times you know your punches like when you said the fucking we we were on there and we were talking about putting fingers in girls you're talking about my regular job which is on the jason ellis show yeah serious xm serious i did i don't know where i put them um they're probably in the bathroom
1: I know Bert is cleansing, but if he would like a donut, I brought some. Donuts.
0: She's on a cleanse too, because the big man's on a cleanse. Oh man, um, should I just take those back out with me? To, <laughs> no, my daughters will fucking murder them. I figured that. I, um, I, I have a child as well. But uh, but but that, and I, I was saying, like it's a, it's a, it's an insult to say third mic because there's only two people on your show. I don't even know what the. I've only just recently, like oh, two weeks ago, and I've been doing radio for almost ten years. Heard the concept of first mic, second mic, third mic. Jim so, Norton. Jim I, Norton is the quintessential third mic. Okay, Jim Norton is one of the funniest comics working, and he would sit back in that show, and yeah. when he spoke, you knew it was going to be gold.
1: Okay, we are going to talk analogies today. Yeah. I, I have here is the analogy for what I do. Are you a sports guy at all? Yes, I get to just uh, stand in the corner and shoot
0: threes. Yeah,
1: Jason creates
0: the. You're offense. Steve Alford
1: yeah yeah i'm i'm steve kerr i'm, I'm any number of steph curry
0: yeah uh, well no 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 because well, he's kind of leading the team as he yeah, is mvp well, i would like
1: to think i can create my shot from time to time yeah but uh
0: uh
1: somebody else gets in the lane and disrupts the defense and especially when there's a guest on and there's more voices and i get to just sit there and go i am standing here and i'm ready and i all you do is put the ball in my hands and all i need to do is sink that shot yeah so it it looks harder than it is when you only have to make a joke every couple minutes. Yeah, but,
0: but you do it well. Thank you. That's my that was my perception is that you 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 seem to um you seem to take on your position with the kind of thing where the where the coach would have been like, "We need to get him the ball more." Like, you know, like, 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 that's why I say you should try stand up. You should okay. definitely try stand up because it's funny. You should. I've, I have actually been thinking about it for the first you sh- time. You should definitely life. try stand up. And and I wouldn't, I wouldn't do this. Is me. I've been doing it for 15 years. I wouldn't start off in like a big show with a bunch of fans. I would do some regular like improv, like no one knows you and really find your voice mm-hmm. and who you're comfortable with. Yeah. And then honestly, you could go on tour pretty quickly.
1: Well, let's talk about this afterwards. I don't know how interesting this is to other people. I feel like I have a three-year-old kid, and I feel like the window where that... I I feel like I'd be swimming upstream at this point.
0: Not at all. Really? Not at all. I have two kids. I started touring 100% of the year Mm -hmm. when my daughter was born.
1: Because had I done it when I was 25, that's what I should have been doing. Because I was basically... I was doing everything that I think a 25-year-old comedian does other than... Comedy. I was a waiter, and I was an alcoholic. And you were writing scripts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. I should have just been, instead of bullshitting 100% with Ukrainian chicks in the East Village, I should (laughs) have occasionally been trying it out in front of a microphone. Did you start in New York? Um, I'm from... You're from New Jersey, right? I'm from New Jersey. You have some Jersey ties as well. No, Philly. Okay, well, Jersey Shore. Yeah, Jersey Shore. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um. And uh, grew up in Jersey. Went to high school in New York City. I'm actually going back for my 20th high school. You went season. to high school in the city. Yeah, I used to take the bus and the subway to high school every day. Wow,
0: what was that like?
1: I mean, I don't know. I never did it any other way. Uh, kind of, you know. Well, you know, when you're young, you're not like afraid of dying or anything. So when you'd see like the, you know, the guy who was like staining his own feces that was like sort of like lazily waving a blade at people, you yeah. thought, you you weren't afraid of that. You were like, wow, I'm really in New York City.
0: I feel like uh, going to high school in New York City would have been like growing up in the suburbs of Fallujah.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, once I had to go down into like the subway is one thing, but the neighborhood that my high school is in is the Upper East Side, which okay. is like J.D. Salinger, New York, if that still means anything. Mm-hmm. To me. I had of high course. school in Central. I mean, I had a phys ed in Central Park. Oh, how badass is that? So it was a lot more like it, it almost had like a dead poet society vibe where I went.
0: God, that's really cool. It
1: was cool. So that's why, like, it's crazy. I'm flying back for one day for my twentieth high school reunion in two weeks. Which I feel like I need to explain what a cool place it was that I went to high school to explain how lame it is that I'm willing to fly
0: across the country just to go to my reunion. So, what was it like? Like, did you guys wear uniforms?
1: No uniforms. I think his kids used to get mugged on the subway, and they had to get
0: rid of the uniforms.
1: No, right. I went to high school in the 90s, so we're, you're coming out of the tail end of New York in the 70s. What year? What year? Because I'm trying to think. I graduated in 95.
0: Okay. I was about... Yeah, so it's just started cleaning up then, I guess, right?
1: This is primetime Giuliani, broken windows, Bill Bratton, New York. Yeah. Okay.
0: Right. Uh, Your parents sent you into New York because uh, I'm imagining private school, good school? Really good school. Um, and Your dad's it, a dentist?
1: Uh, my dad was like management at AT&T. Okay. Um, uh, it, it was, uh, it was free. The high school was free. Really? All scholarship. Crazy place. Like when I say dead poet society, um, or, or Rushmore, Rushmore is like my favorite movie because my high school is actually very Rushmore esque. all boys. Yeah. And, uh, in, on Christmas morning, 1912 an anonymous benefactress, gave the Jesuits like $4 million, the Jesuit priests. Um, uh, I went to a Jesuit
0: high school. Okay, yeah, so,
1: you know, gave the Jesuits like $4 million to build a free high school for Catholic boys in New York City, and they built this, like, beautiful Shut place up. on, yeah, and you had to pass a test, and you had to pass an interview, and, I mean, initially I thought I had no chance of getting in. I would just, first, I went to the open house because I just wanted to see what a school like that would look like. Yeah. And then they're like, well, take the test, and I was like, well, that sounds like fun. I took the test and I, and I passed. And, and I was like, well, I'll still never – And they're like, well, do the interview. And, and by the time I had done the interview, now I'd been to this place three times. And I was like, I am – with all due respect to suburban New Jersey, I'm not going back there
0: ever again. Yeah. So it's, it's so interesting. I went to a Jesuit school. I was school at a private school in grade school. And in eighth grade, we were at basketball practice. And Eric Nuppel and Brian Callahan were like, hey, we're going to go take a tour of this school. And I was like – and I I really, honestly – I just said to my parents, like when I got home, I was like, hey, Brian and Eric are doing a tour of this school. Should we go? My dad's like, y- yeah. I think it was cheaper too. My dad's like, fuck yeah. Let's go. <laughs> so we took a tour and my dad kept saying to me, buddy, this smells like where I went to high school. And, it, and for some reason, I, I do things that my dad did, does. I don't know why. I, and I almost find myself doing them. And then almost like nodding, like no one knows that my dad did that first, but now I'm redoing it.
1: Okay, what would be another example? Like
0: that? last night, uh, we're playing, George is at a softball game. My dad used to always say to me from the, from the he was a coach, but he would say from the dugout, Bert, get a bass hitter, you spend the night in the closet. And everyone would laugh, and I'd always go, he's not really put me in the closet. Last night I said, George, get a bass hitter, I put you in the closet, and everyone laughed. and I, But no one knew that it's my dad's joke. But the fact that it smelled like his school, and I wanted that kind of like, I was nostalgic for... I was nostalgic for boyhood, if that makes sense. As a boy. As a boy. Like, I had gone to this predominantly <laughs> for, for, Jewish okay, grade school. And, and there was no, like, the sports were really bad. And, the, and like, I was on varsity baseball in, like, eighth grade. And, like, and, you, and it just was, like, and it was really, like, a, a, a nebbish school. Like, very scholarly. And I was nostalgic for testosterone, I think. I think I wanted something that was a little realer. Boy, I got it. First day of school. Spencer Ford punched Eric Knupple in the face. And I was like, what the fuck did I sign up for? But, uh, but yeah, same way as you. Did you enjoy the Jesuit process? I love it. Did you have like brothers teaching you? Um.
1: We, yeah. I mean, even then they were having trouble recruiting for the priesthood. So I don't yeah. think there were nearly as many priests there had been. We had the – I mean, honestly, the, the laity for people that, that's the – people in the church who aren't priests you know um there were a lot of lay teachers um that may as well have been priests like, like mr Mercantante, but he'd wear the fucking outfit well and i mean people who only recently retired after teaching at the school for 60 years just yeah. like human statues human pillars of what this school represented yeah. so there was a lot of that we did have i had a rivalry with uh, a guy. What are they? Jesuit scholastics is what they're called. Because Jesuit you scholastics, you sign up to be a priest when you're like eighteen or twenty or whatever, but yeah. they put you through the ringer. And you don't actually get to be a priest as a Jesuit until you're like thirty one or maybe it's thirty three when Jesus died. Or did he th- wear the blue shirt with the with the with the collar? Uh, the light blue shirt with the collar. He had options. I remember they would let them wear the collar, and you could tell that they were really proud of themselves the days that they yeah. wore the collar that they hadn't fully earned yet. But I remember this guy; he was really proud of his speaking voice and. Somebody, I, it was relayed to me. It's a very, very long story, but uh, somebody mentioned me to him when I wasn't in, in the room, and he said, "Mike Tully is scum." <laughs>
0: <laughs> we, we had, we had, we had those guys too. Do you, ours? Did you know? I want to know about inappropriateness because ours were very. Ours were our teachers were semi-racist, semi. Um, massively sexist i remember them explaining i remember them standing sitting up and going let me explain to you how society works you as white males are number one wow no i didn't get my school was not like that black males number two carrie brown that's you (laughs) Third is is white women I mean like literally Broke it down we I mean watched, is that even true uh, No it's not true <laughs> uh, It's uh, probably in the finan- the financial earnings process I maybe, But they sat us down and told us that. You ready for this Now did you have this experience And you had religion class right Of course yeah Did they show you a third trimester abortion
1: No My school was actually very liberal about religion Which is funny for a religious school Now was your school in
0: the city In Tampa Okay. in tampa oh maybe is that is it a southern it's thing? southern yeah oh, okay. they showed us a third trimester abortion where they break the body up inside and vacuum it out no 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 i think the lure of
1: manhattan and what it represents culturally to the world makes even religious people who live there be like yeah i'm into jesus but i'm not super hung up on it now did you have those like did
0: you did you ever see the movie heaven help us heaven help us is that a warren Beatty movie no oh that, that is a warren Beatty movie uh oh not god damn it it's not heaven help us we're no saints no uh no um what's the movie with uh matt Dillon's brother kevin Dillon? nope i've never seen kevin Dillon in anything ever are you are you serious
1: yes dude i told I, you i've never seen anything god damn it How i just watch like, i just watch like trauma movies dude and my wife is fully on board so it's not like a, it's it's only narrowed my cultural focus Uh, The other night we watched a Chevy Chase movie from 1981 where he develops kinetic powers after getting toxic waste dumped on him. I think I saw that when it came out. (laughs) (laughs) But that's like a Friday night at my house. it with Goldie Hawn? No, no,
0: no, 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 no. no. No, they're at the beach and he like gets up on the bed and he's like levitating. I think I saw that when it came out. There may have been more than one Chevy Chase telekinesis comedy in the early 80s. I'm going to find out the goddamn name of that movie. Yeah, go for it. It was such a great movie. Mm-hmm. Heaven Help Us. Yeah,
1: it Heaven was, Help Us, right. Yeah,
0: Heaven Help Us. I never saw it. It was it was uh, about an all-boys all, ca- all boys Catholic high school in the city in the 50s. And they like – did you have like dances with the girls' school? Yeah. Really? It
1: was great because it was an all-boys school that I went to and only boys from our school could go to the dances, but any girl could go. It was It was a pretty cool school. So that's awesome. So you excited to see the guys? I am. I actually really am. Yeah. The, my experience at my 10th, and look, it's like just as soon as you count on anything in life, it's not what you – just as soon as you you, know, you think of it, figured out. My 10th was like – because it was a small class, and I think because there weren't girls – we, we we weren't very competitive. Sports wasn't a big deal at my school, and we didn't have girls, so I don't think we had ways of like socially ranking one another. Yeah, of course you had an idea who was cool and wasn't, but there was no way of actually proving it with football or getting laid. It was the best, beautiful thing about an all boys Catholic yeah. high school is that there was there was no nerds. Well, and also this is a school for for bright kids, so I think. Even the cool jock kids were also kind of closet nerds. So nobody was going to – Unless you had to be really nerdy. You had to fully be like Dungeons & Dragons at lunch to be like a nerd in my school. So everybody – it was a small class. So if I graduate with 110 guys, I consider 70 of them friends. And at the 10-year reunion, it was the wildest social experience I've ever had in my life of, oh, you – how are you doing? Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's so funny. That's awesome to see you. 45 degree turn. Oh, <laughs> you. Yeah. How are you doing? Just over and over 50 times. And yeah. of course, I, I've repeated that story so many times that there's absolutely no way that's going to happen Happen to my 20th. Nobody's going to come and the people who
0: do are just going to be like doing 20th bumps, is better. 20th doing is bumps better. in the bathroom. Oh, that was our 20th anniversary. <laughs> our 20th anniversary was at the beach. Uh, my buddy Blake paid for all of it. Like he footed the bill for everyone, for the whole thing cuz everyone was supposed to everyone chipped in money and I mean everyone was supposed to pay for it but my buddy but a bunch of people didn't and my buddy Blake just covered the whole thing and uh it was fucking awesome it was but it was like I mean it was like debauchery like we stayed at we stayed at a hotel on the beach in Clearwater for a whole weekend and like no one brought like a couple of people brought their kids but like pretty much their kids were my our kids were down the down the beach and it was fucking chaos i mean like Everyone reverted back to it was so funny, I remember everyone calling each other by their high school nicknames and you haven't heard those. Hey, Frankenberry. Hey, the Recon's here. I'm like, guys, that's racist now. But uh the Rican? Uh, oh, like, a Port- our Port- school was Port- very racist. It was like we had one Puerto Rican guy, we called him the Rican. Sure. We had one Indian guy, we called him Chief. We had one black guy, we called him Brother. We had one <laughs> Jewish guy, we called him Shylock. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like I mean, they, they would Offen- that, offensive and very very clever to boot. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, the teachers gave them that name. Oh the te- I remember when we read *The Mer- Merchant has of n- n- Your
1: high school has nothing in common with my high school.
0: *The Merchant of Venice*. *The uh, Mer- Merchant of Venice*. So, let's just consider Andrew Wall Shylock, okay? So, this guy wants a pound of your flesh. Yeah, just like Andrew. Just like Andrew. His people killed Jesus. Do you realize... I mean, What would he even do with the flesh? It doesn't matter. The point is... Andrew, what would you do with the flesh? What would you do with the flesh? And Andrew's like, why are you putting me in this? The point is, he wants it and he's got the contract, so he's going to kill you. (laughs) Fucking someone tried to stab Andrew, like, after that class, I think, (laughs) out by the chapel. Did you have that one Friday every year that that you... uh, Like, every semester where you had just mass in the morning and then you got to go home? Uh, I don't remember that one either Uh, uh, there's no point in me me, me trying to connect like you just brought back like no one ever talks to me about All Boys Catholic High School and I feel like it's something that's lost I love it I'd be very you don't you have daughters,
1: right? Yeah, two daughters. There's a there's a, a really expensive all-boys Jesuit high school here in Los Angeles and if I still uh, Loyola. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and if I I don't if I still live in LA and if my kid can be talked into going to an all-boys Catholic high school and, and the if FDA. there's any way I could possibly afford it three humongous ifs you talk about, you know, uh yeah. replicating your your dad's stuff. I'm so incredibly conscious of not trying to like force who I am and my experiences and likes and dislikes and its attitudes on my kid but if there was ever one time I would, I would take a shot at that that would be the one I love it it's so it, I, I can tell you feel the same way without even saying oh, it it's I like want the, a a, sing, to? a
0: singularly formative experience it really is it teaches you it taught me how to be a stand up comedian no questions asked it taught me how to tell a story. It taught me how to hold a room. It taught me how to. It taught me how to fist fight. It taught me how to not to fist fight. Like who not to fist fight with? Wow. Who lets shit go by? Like I learned a lot. It was a little bit like a junior prison. Like <laughs> I learned a little bit of. You, you can tell. By the way, we're gonna get into an analogy off, but like, yeah. and this is coming, everybody, but. I uh, I I speak in analogies. I feel like I it's the easiest way for me to communicate a thought to people. Now let's. What time do you, you got to head out? Your show starts at noon.
1: Uh yeah, I okay. probably.
0: Oh, I got I got a little bit. Of, I I have like another. I have another hour at least. Okay. Okay. Good. I'm good. So um so then you leave Jesuit, you go to Oxford.
1: Well, yeah. Oh, I went to. I did go to Oxford for a year. That is true. But it sounds in England. Yeah, Oxford, England. Um. It's. I've been very fortunate with my educational experiences, to say the very least. Um, uh, Considering I tend to backdoor into them, like I was the last person that I think the last person that got into my high school off the waiting list twenty years ago. Yeah. So I I really didn't actually belong there, and then I took a couple years off because I thought I was in a band or something. And what
0: kind of (laughs) music do you play?
1: The really fay English.
0: Brit pop stuff that I referred to earlier Still trying to keep that dream alive I was in a band in college Kicked out the lead guitarist He formed a band called Creed Keep going Really? Yeah Tremonti? Yep And he won't talk to me And he denies that it ever happened I wrote about it in my book Hey Like your ex The important thing is It clearly doesn't bother you anymore
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um So, yeah, a couple years wasting time. I went to Fordham, which is the Jesuit college in New York. And then I I applied. I I didn't have the grades to get into a study abroad thing in Oxford. So I just applied for like City College London or whatever. And I just wrote on top of my application – i would also like to go to oxford <laughs> and and then they gave me a thing hey you got into the program and i go oh, that's cool i'll go party in london for a year you know and then like a couple of weeks later i got a call from some like administrative secretary lady and she's like uh so i have your thing in front of me i just uh do you want to go to city college london or do you want to go to oxford and i was like i'll do oxford she's like oh okay yeah yeah i just i wasn't sure about that okay thanks bye and just like that i spent a year at oxford what was that like um, Was it like uh, the movie where Rob Lowe's rowing? I did, Oxford I, I, Blues. I had a bunch of friends who did the crew thing, and uh, it, uh, I don't know. I, I didn't participate in that. Oxford is the way it looks. Is it's probably better than people even think. If you ever look up a photo of Oxford, it's it's um, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings. I mean, Tolkien hmm. is like an Oxford guy. So yeah, that's not like a coincidence. Um, so in terms of walking around the street, it's it's unbelievable. It's it's hard to describe. The experience is about twenty percent exactly what you would hope it would be, and about eighty percent being really really bored drinking
0: Australian beer. Really? Yeah. You no. Know, are, are the classrooms as old as Tolkien? a oh, way older so so are you sitting in a in a place that i mean i always think yeah. smell defines things to me sometimes i understand but like do you go in and you just smell like yeah my your school, grandmother's grandmother
1: kinda kinda or a really really old priest right um there, Oxford is actually a collection of I should know like thirty, forty, fifty different colleges, mm-hmm. and so I went to a very specific one. Which I don't know if there'd been a fire or oh no 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 they were the they were the the um, the Catholics ultimately. They were Dominicans, and they had been kicked out. They helped set up Oxford, but they got kicked out of Oxford when England became Protestant. When Henry the Eighth wanted to marry, get divorced. Yeah. So they actually kind of set the thing up, but got booted and only got reinstated around like 1900 or so. So my yeah. place was like old. But yeah. there were, every other school in town was like 1600s old, like crouched down to fit in the door old. Did you have sex with anyone over there? It was really, really hard uh I'm, t- I'm trying to think with american girls probably because there were if there were like ten thousand students at oxford about a thousand of them were american exchange jackasses like myself yeah so we were not a small novel minority oh so you couldn't use your like they, uh, be- you couldn't like
0: brooklyn up your accent no be, no no, like-
1: no no in in what's more like every girl that had already been hit on by every american guy who just liked a girl with an accent yeah so
0: we were a we were a, we, we
1: were a nuisance in the town to cause the kids who go, it's like everything else. Like it's a really good school say like Harvard. So you would think, Oh, well all the smartest kids go there kind of, but it's more like all the richest kids go there.
0: Oh yeah. So yeah. you
1: have these like rich old money, English people who uh, American kids abroad for a year are of limited value to them. We don't have a whole lot to offer them. That's I was actually like legendary because I did take a British girl home from a bar one time um, really? i don't think we actually had sex but like that in and of itself and i hate that you know that's what it's like when you're younger that it yeah. was kind it, it was just kind of catch and release i don't think
0: i felt a genuine romantic
1: connection with her it was like oh my god an english girl is going to come back to the
0: american guy's house Ugh, i only hooked up with one British chick once I, I, well i take that back too but one was when we were in edinburgh me and patrice and voss and uh and uh I we i don't know we got into some party and then she had gotten out of a wedding and her boyfriend left her and she was it was bad but it, all she kept saying is i'm gonna die an old maid the whole time we were hooking up and i was like i think you need to leave um so so did uh did, did it affect do you find that that there's certain travel experiences I find that change my DNA forever, uh-huh. and, I, and I can't fix it again. Right. Vietnam is that place for me. That Vietnam and Japan really fucked my DNA up. Where okay. I went, okay, now I see the world differently forever. Like forever, I'll always see this world differently. Did that have that effect on you? And I know that traveling abroad at a young age does, but at that age, did did it affect the way you? looked at the world did you go over there and start smoking cigarettes and reading old leather spined novels no 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 no
1: no no. very much the opposite because i was such an anglophile and because um i i was i still identified primarily as a musician and because all my favorite bands were england i thought that i was gonna get there and possibly never come back yeah and the way that my family said goodbye to me indicated that they thought this might be the last time they ever saw me on a regular basis. Yeah. And instead I was like really I mean, disappointed. I didn't hate it, but I was like, oh, this isn't this is not this like magic other better world. It's just this it I'm I mean I'm from Manhattan, which yeah. is like you know that no, no, it, it maybe only in the sense that I, I realized that I didn't have some magical other place to run off to, yeah. you know, um, I think I almost got that more out of the first time you move away from home. It's like, you know, a fish won't be aware of water until unless it ever makes it to the surface and is therefore not surrounded by it. Um, I went to I spent a couple of months in Santa Barbara. And and I think that was, like, getting out of the East Coast and understanding not every place is exactly, like, where you're from, which you'd never get from just going somewhere on vacation. Yeah. I think that kind of popped that cherry with me. And I'd, I'd learned that lesson. You can go anywhere away from your house and learn that lesson. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I'd already done that by the time I got to England. So, no, not really. Why do you say Japan?
0: Because um, my wife is Japanese. I've spent a bunch oh, of time over there. Uh, Japan, the culture, uh, the, uh, the culture. Oh, like, uh, we were at... Um the big train station in Japan, where we take the bullet train out to uh, to, to uh, Kyoto, and uh, no one was talking. No one was talking. It was rush hour, and no one was talking. And I thought, wow, like and and the, the 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 way that culture was so uniform and so um and so in check. They all kept themselves in check, and it really kind of. And I'm the definition of loud American. I'm the definition of loud American I might not disagree with you and no one would (laughs) and so uh, like it's not like going to a sushi restaurant when everyone's like sake bombs like that none of that happened and then and then and then you and then going I went from there directly to Vietnam and Vietnam's the exact opposite not to draw too much analogy out of it but if Japan is um, a society where everyone knows their personal space Vietnam everyone's got their fingers in your mouth and it's like just right there and you just – and it really was like – it really was getting into the vibe of travel and experience and immersion and going, fuck it. I'm eating an egg sandwich out of a vendor who only has a hot dog cart and they're making fried eggs underneath it with a sterno. And I can't promise those eggs are fresh but I'm going to fucking wolf it down and I'm going to enjoy it. And if I get sick, I get fucking sick. But Japan's the exact opposite. It's like – it was like sweet. Uh, your Burger King has uh, has squid burgers. <laughs> like, I, it re- really changed my my the way I perceive things.
1: Yeah, but one thing about Japan and Japanese culture is I feel like, like in America, it's it, it's just so politically and and as a big national community, it's just totally hurting cats. There's no way we could get everybody on. No on the same page with anything and like i well you can argue about like climate change or whatever but if we ever said look man we hired all these scientists and they just said we got a a longest shower you can possibly take is five minutes look man i like a hot shower as much as the next guy but that's what they said and we hired them to tell us what to do and that's what they told us to do so that's what we're all gonna do no fucking way could you even do something which is Pretty mild in terms of the very you know the the, the climate change uh, the, the 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 changes I think we probably really need to make to our lifestyles to, to counteract climate change, but Japan's the kind of place where they could say that, and everybody would actually do it, even though nobody could check up on them for it. Because yeah. there's this sense of they're, they're, of this communal we that people are proud to be a part of, yeah. and they're they're proud to have a consensus on stuff like that. And I, there's trade offs, you know. There's a lot of people feel very emotionally repressed and stuff because there's so much time and attention and energy spent fitting into a group there as opposed to developing yourself individually. Of course, is there's your trade-offs. wife from
0: Japan. Yeah. Oh, she's from J- where in Japan? Um, a city called Fukuoka. Okay, I don't know where it is. It's a big city yeah uh there it's japan is there's a lot more of japan than i ever thought there was Uh this sounds silly but i thought it was a tiny little island mm-hmm. it's a series of fucking islands mm-hmm. and like and i didn't understand just how vast and how globally different different parts of japan are and i think it's i think i always say if you get one opportunity to go out and travel it's you gotta you gotta go you gotta hit asia asia changes the way you look at the world it yeah. really does yeah no wait, so so you get done college and then you go you come into you go straight to the Santa Barbara and then back to the east village No, uh okay, wait, so I'm, 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 i want I want to draw the line of like i okay. want because let me tell you the things that fascinate me about you, okay about you about yeah, me about you um is you wrote both of jason's books, yes, you wrote the movie Woodsman, which I watched last night. Which, which, hold on, hold on. No, no, no. Don't even fucking start just like putting it down. You came up, you guys came up with an idea on the show. Mm-hmm. You wrote the script, I think, in an evening. Yes. Oh, like after a couple. Well, but yeah. Wow, you really did some homework. But no, no, no. I don't even no. know where this homework way, would be available. I don't, I don't ever research fucking anybody. But after I first met you, mm-hmm. the first time I did radio with you, I went, I went, okay. I, like, I literally, you know, your, sh- your show is not. It's not the average show. It is just – and I'm certain you guys are a publicist nightmare. Like there's no way the publicists just go, yeah, yeah, you can roll in. It's going to be a cake interview. You guys are fucking ball busters like a group of friends at a Jesuit table at lunch. Did you feel under attack at all? Have you ever felt under oh, attack? In- of course, but not in a bad way. Oh, just you be honest. Be, I just was, yeah. Of okay. course, yeah, right. yeah, of course, but not in a bad way. Right. Like I didn't. I like. Like I said, Jason and I have actually talked about this. I never once felt like anyone's being a dick to me. But I never once felt like it felt like a stern interview. It felt like you're this is not where well, I'm not going to patty cake you. Tell me about your book. It must be fun being on Travel Channel. See, so you got involved with the Russian mafia. Get out. Who oh, count? so van wilder's ba- like that was not that interview it's it was like it was like it was like hey we're out to dinner we're gonna talk and i would like to have some answers like it was like a i'm just saying I don't know who actually goes to dinner like that i do i do i definitely do. <laughs> listen listen we're gonna break bread and everything but more yeah. importantly i need some well, answers what, I mean, wouldn't you agree wouldn't you agree i'm <laughs> yeah. sure you guys have had i know yeah. you guys have had um, legendary bad interviews with there, people. There have been a couple. If you, been if, a couple. You do, if you do hundreds of them, a couple yeah, like, of them. Yeah, are- but even, like, even like, like, okay, me falling off, like the, the perfect example, and by the way, Jason and I have actually texted about this. Right. I've never once felt you guys treated me like a dick ever, or I just simply wouldn't continue the relationship. If I wasn't happy, I just would be like, eh, I'll pass. When you guys offered me to come back on the show, I was like, fucking 100%, I'll be there. Cool. Uh, and, but, um, but like when I showed the, the falling off the rock video, by the way, for regular like I'm just telling you, no terrestrial radio, they'd be like, oh that because no one can see it. Right. Oh, that looks horrible. Right. That's not your show. Mm-hmm. It's it's that doesn't look that fucking bad. And then, and then, but that, for me, that is funny radio. Like that's funny. Is then now we're all going back and forth, and I get to take the stance of you have no idea what I've been through, and you guys are like, well, Tony Tony Hawk should know. He rolls in. Great fucking moment. I mean, honestly, I know it because I heard it on Twitter. It was fucking epic. It was great, and it's it's hilarious because.
1: I can't think of a better good cop for that situation. If you'd pick anyone in the universe, because, yeah. you know, Jason is Jason, if he goes, oh, that, that wouldn't hurt. That's no big deal. He might be being, you know, that might be bluster. That might be a bit of a bluff. Who, who, yeah. who, who knows, you know, but when Tony Hawk goes... Yeah, that shouldn't really hurt. You yeah. can't get mad at Tony Hawk for that. Yeah, no. And for what it's worth, I mean, if it, I, I probably would have been a uh, recovering Vicodin addict like yourself if that had happened to me. Oh, but sometimes, sure. once the joke gets established, it's there's no sense in me. You know, we're, it, we're not having a, we're not having a, a reasonable, rational conversation. We're having. Yeah, and, a,
0: and what's the point? I mean, like, yeah. I'm not. I'm, by the way, the shows I like doing are that it's a hang with guys, just like I feel like I'm at the I'm at my fraternity house or at a lunch table at, when I was in high school. It is real. It is ball busting. It is – it's not It's not Regis and Kelly.
1: Well, right. And I don't think – this is something that I, I – I remember the exact moment that I learned this. When I was a kid, we we all made fun of each other, and that was just like a total normal course of action. Maybe that's – it's not limited to the East Coast, but I don't think that that is everywhere. Definitely East Coast. And I just thought it went without saying that if we're – If we're giving you a hard time You could tell if somebody's actually being a dick But if we just won't leave you alone And we just keep needling you That actually means that we like you you, And I wouldn't I wouldn't risk doing it to somebody I actually disliked Because I would be afraid That I would be betraying My actual legitimate dislike for them And I remember my friend had uh, Also from the East Coast years ago Had a girlfriend who was from Somewhere in Central California And we made her cry And I couldn't I couldn't understand why she was crying yeah. when all we were doing was welcoming her into the fold and em- embracing her with yes. our with our insults. Do you understand
0: that we hate you? We're showing you we hate you so that you know we love you. Yeah, no, but that's I, I, the good. The good shows, the good radio shows out there are that. They are guys who do not. I mean, like, like. I mean, I, I, I say, I'd say, you know, the the defunct Opie and Anthony was a great show. I am mean, sure you grew up on the East Coast. You probably heard them growing up, almost, or right, you probably didn't. Cause you were listening to different fucking music,
1: almost never. Yeah, you and listen, again, I didn't. Did get you a, listen to Stern? No, you didn't listen to any radio growing up? No, yeah, and and the high school thing is actually pretty critical to that. I didn't get my driver's license until I moved to to L. A. Really? Yeah, because I was. I was I was on the bus in the subway when other kids were getting their first car and therefore listening to Stern in the morning or yeah. Open Anthony afternoon. I mean I I heard it. I had friends who listened to it and stuff, but the whole thing, I feel like I could count on one hand the number of times I listened to to either of them. Yeah, I didn't up. I
0: didn't listen to them until I was like fucking 32 yeah. they got on xm xm really changed the way i listen to shit right like i like it because it's unfiltered it's crazy i feel like anything could happen but I'll, but one more thing before i go back to saying what what i was initially saying was that like just like them just like stern just like you guys my buddy cal elliot all these good shows you're hanging out with a peer who's not going to allow you just some publicists fucking ron bennington some publicists bullet points you're that is not your show and i hope you understand that i think that's a compliment that you're not looking at a bullet point from what you just a fact you got and you're like so this happened that happened that happened that happened it was fantastic having you in thank you very much oh yeah yeah yeah, of yeah. but so i got done the show i had a good time i go i go dude like i talked to jason well, jason and i got along pretty good like but i think i met him before maybe i hadn't but like i was like I go fucking Mike Taylor. I gotta do some fucking research. Who is that guy? Because like I, me and you were going back and forth, good and like, and then you were like, so I'd tell me like questions no one ever fucking asked me. Tell me how the fucking National Lampoon thing happened. Nobody like, asks you that. No, I, I also don't answer it. I very seldom answer it. Oh, okay, like a lot of times I'll just be like, I'll give him a very short answer. Right, and then in that one I just ended up talking about it. I never talk about it. Yeah. So then I go on and I have Jason's book. It's in that cabinet right there, mm-hmm. or it's underneath here. It might be one of the two, and uh, and it says co-written by or written by Mike Tully, and I went, that's Tully, right? I go motherfucker, and by I, I read both Jason's books. Cool, I thank read you. most of both Jason's books. I'm a little dyslexic, so and I went, oh fuck. So then I go and I start watching videos, and I hear your commentary on like like and once again, your show is the Jason Ellis show is not the normal show. I'm watching you guys ultimate fight Brendan Schaub like there's a fucking mixed martial arts fight going on in the studio
1: a legitimate ufc a legitimate yeah.
0: fucking fight not like and i'm like okay and your commentary yeah. is hilarious and i'm like god damn it so i start looking and then i see and then i get into then i go into some of jason's younger skateboarding videos i just you know sitting in a man cave drinking watching online right and then i see that you this interview you did about the woodsman i start watching the woodsman for then and then I realized you just wrote it in a night. And you're like – and then I start going, you took a sabbatical to write screenplays. I was like, okay, all right, fuck. This is like – I knew you weren't a stand-up, but I was like, I don't – I didn't think I understood your path or how you got there. So I was like, okay, so – and that's what I was dying to ask you. So I don't want to make – turn into a Barbara Walters, but like you go to – you go to – Okay, it's real simple because I don't, I don't have a path.
1: I mean if I had to do all over again, I I would have like picked some – Pie in the sky scenario, and then uh, what do they say? You know, uh, built my ladder up to it. Yeah. But uh, I, okay. I finished high school, and again, this is like kids go to Harvard and Yale, and <clears throat> you know, it's like a, a just churn out kids that go to Ivy League schools. I was the first kid in 20 years that got in off the waiting list, and I was the first kid in I don't know how many years who didn't go straight into college because I was going to be a rock star slash I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing here. And actually my band had enough success that a guy this really picture a British uh, record producer who'd like worked with the kinks and stuff like that and wore black suits all the time. And you are picturing the guy who discovered us yeah. held a uh, he had a he booked out a recording studio for a weekend. And it was this big stunt where, like, for 72 straight hours, bands could come in and get an hour of free time to make a live recording in a really, like, world class new studio. And the local New York, the Channel 9 News covered it and they filmed us and we, we won the thing. And so we went from being this band that was just like rehearsing and smoking doobies to a band that was still rehearsing and smoking doobies, but now had a guy who had produced the kinks behind yeah, us. Yeah. And so when I finished high school, I was like, well, fuck this. I'm just going to my band's about to take off, you know, and uh, it just didn't happen. And it's so funny. I mean, it's actually kind of a movie moment. We didn't know how it worked. We thought we were definitely living in the fantasy world of like you do the big gig and you get the big contract. And the reality is, even even in the nineties, you just you just claw and scrape and you move up five fans at a time. And but we just didn't realize that. We were teenagers, you know. And um so we did the big showcase and they told us this is your show, this is it. Where's it at? It was at Don Hills okay. in New York City, you know pretty cool venue it was very cool at the time Um, this one like motherfucker was going on and all that there and they told us Island Records is going to be here and CBS and you know you get up on stage you just see silhouettes we're kids we're 17 18 whatever the hell we were and we're like we need to play the show of our lives and we're going to get a fucking record deal no booze no no drugs before it probably had a beer or something like that and a guy from our management team, and like this guy used to work with Skid Row, and I'm like an old metalhead. Like he he brought Dave the Snake Sabo from Skid Row to one of our shows, and he's like, "Hey guys, not too bad." And we're like, "Oh my god, the snake likes us!" You know. I smoked
0: pot with uh, I smoked pot with uh, Sebastian Bach and and uh, the kid from New Kids in the Block one time. It mm-hmm. <laughs> was random. I keep sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. So so they just said, okay, the the dressing room is downstairs. They said,
1: do your show. And then wait down here, and if any of the labels want to sign you, they'll come down here and we'll introduce you to them. So we're like, this is it, guys. This is, you know, like fucking head-on-head, four-way huddle. This is what we've been working for our entire lives. you know, And we went out, and we played the greatest show we ever played in our entire lives. Yeah. And then we walked back downstairs to the dressing room, and we sat there, and we sat there, and we sat there, and finally somebody's assistant came down, and they go, you guys want to come upstairs and we're like we're waiting down here for the labels to come down and make us rock stars and he goes oh that's not the way it works you know they came and they saw you tonight and maybe they're a little interested and maybe they call us on monday maybe we do it and that was the story and that was the beginning of lots and lots of great stories from british manager guy who everything sounded great coming there's a hilarious story of the time that we um we uh we hit him up for a thousand bucks so we could buy silver leather pants (laughs) 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 <laughs> 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 and he gave it to us But he yeah. wrote like a child And I remember me and my bandmate Who's Brian Cullen Who now works with me on uh, on uh, Faction, the channel on SiriusXM That the Ellis show is on Me and him went to a bank And we're these like, scumbag kids With a check for a thousand dollars that in the memo says for leather for band clothes (laughs) and they held us up for like two hours actually giving us the money for the check so anyway uh we did that and it just turned out that the guy was all talking uh didn't have a lot to offer us in terms of you know signing with record labels and stuff like that so we broke up to spite him but he like owned contracts on us and he's like you guys won't break up because i know you guys you can't quit And I'm the only way you can keep going. And we were like, "Fuck you." We're we're that spiteful, so we just broke up. And now I was high and dry. So then I was like, "Okay, I guess I'll go to college." So I went to Fordham. I went to Oxford. Um, After college, still didn't have a plan. Still vaguely thought I was a musician, but I wasn't really gigging. I was like writing songs and recording my friends.
0: What What instrument did you play?
1: I was like a singer, songwriter, guitar player. I made an album. Like actually, the stuff that I was writing around one of your
0: songs here. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Wait. Abs- wait absolutely. Moving. Finish the story. Keep yeah. 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 Um. So. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I'm so sorry. I'm a bad interviewer. Like. Uh. But. Um. Have you ever? Do you, you ever written a script about this experience? No. Okay. I don't think there's a movie. Are you happens. thinking about writing a book about you at all?
1: Not particularly. Okay. I think there's only really two reasons to. Like, I think I have a more interesting life
0: story than a lot of people. But it's, I don't. Not, but it's not. It's like it's like the Wu Tang Clan. It's not what. It's not what you're saying. It's how you say it a lot of times. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, you know, you're you're a fantastic writer. I mean, much better than I am. And I have a fucking book about me. And my life's interesting, but I really wish I had had a you in my life to fucking tell my story. Because, like, Jason's life is fucking fascinating. Mm -hmm. Really genuinely fascinating. Mm -hmm. The mesh of you two, it, it really is a fantastic partnership. Thank you. Um,
1: I agree, and I think I was really uniquely well situated to write that book, having oh, been having 100%. a conversation with him about his life for like five years leading up to that. Yeah. I, I, nobody else could have done that book. Like no I could, could have, and that's not a slight on any other writer on the planet. Uh, nobody, nobody had the the running start. When we were doing the book, because I, I know I've worked on books with other people, and I don't know their story, and you get halfway through, and they go. Well, I mean, sure, that's when I was living in the lesbian coli- uh, you know, colony yeah. on the island of Cyprus. And I'm like, well, this is the first time healing, hearing of the lesbian colony that you used to live in. With Jason, it was more like, give me the this story, give me the this story. It, it, the hardest thing to figure out, and he wasn't even always sure of it himself, was just the chronology.
0: Yeah. It, we had all the stories. It was just actually in what order did they happen? So anyway. That book's uh, so well written, I thought he wrote it if that's He it. did. I what well, th- no, I mean like I mean it, it you wrote did. you you did no, I didn't. No, I didn't. a fantastic job in his voice because it's his voice. It's his sound. Well,
1: but that's cuz how do you think that happened? I didn't write any of it. All I did right. I, I made it my business to put as few of my words in it as I possibly could. And honestly, I have his voice in my head. I spent yeah. four I spent 20 hours a week talking to the guy with headphones on. Yeah. So even when I had to do a transition or something that he hadn't just given me in raw audio. Yeah. I just, I know how he says stuff, yeah. you know? Okay. So I didn't, I, I, I feel like I did a, I'm proud of the job that I did assembling.
0: Both of you are a great team. And,
1: edi- say that. and
0: editing. Thank you. But he, he wrote, he wrote the book. I have Jason on the podcast tomorrow morning and I'm excited because both you guys are really interesting people to have just, to have met at 42 mm-hmm. where I go like, I've been in the business. Where the fuck have these guys been this whole time? Uh, you guys are fascinating. You're mm-hmm. a fascinating team. Your show's fantastic, and I and I enjoy watching you guys collaborate. It just seems like seems like uh, like it's you guys are like a fucking punk rock version of Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. Like, does that make sense? I could think of worse analogies. <laughs> Who would you analogize you and Jason like?
1: Uh,
0: you're not you're not Ed and Norton or Ed and uh, Ralph. I don't know, like.
1: Batman and Alfred. Batman. And Alfred. <laughs> like he's just like the out al- he's Batman just like Batman and Alfred
0: is a great
1: <laughs> Like he's just the guy that goes
0: out and like everyone, kicks everyone ass. said Batman and Robin, but you said Batman and Alfred. I
1: don't yeah, I know I
0: resent that. And
1: I and I used to resent that because people again, I'm so not a radio person, people would say, Oh, you're Jason's Robin. And I thought they meant Batman, and I'd be offended and yeah. not realizing that of course they meant you know, Robin, Robin Quivers. Quivers. <laughs> I used to take great offense at that. I never told anybody that. And I was like, some, My wife actually was like, they mean for her. And I was like, yeah. oh, well, that's, <laughs> that's a rough analogy. I okay,
0: wouldn't... let's get back. Let's get okay, back. Yeah, 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 so wait, I'm, so, I'm so bad at this. There's a million things I want to talk to, and yeah. I know you got to go to work. No, so. and I
1: actually have a bunch of things I want to ask you, but uh, uh, we'll see what we can get to. So, yeah, finished college, wrote a bunch of songs, didn't do anything with them, ended up making an album about – three years ago of all the songs I was working on back then, which is just awesome in this day and age. You can sit in somebody's bedroom. And, you and can this make- isn't Taint Stick? And, no, uh, this is me okay. solo. Uh, and then I was like waiting tables and rough times. September 11th happened in New York. And uh, it was very, very hard even to get a, a, a waitering gig for a while. So that I guess if you're writing the screenplay, that's uh, that's, the, that's the, the darkness before the dawn. Again, a terrible movie script. I couldn't get a waitering gig. And then my buddy that I had been in the band with, Brian, who now works... On, with me on Sirius XM uh had was a long time Howard Stern fan and had parlayed an internship on Stern into a job with the Big syndicator Premier Radio Networks. Okay. He knew a guy there that was producing a syndicated daily uh hour-long show with Carson Daly and that guy needed a writer so Brian uh was a cheerleader for me to get me to write uh, to submit a script and I got hired writing this sy- terrible disposable syndicated daily show for Carson Daly. And then when that dried up, Brian had by then moved on to Sirius and the channel he's working on, Faction, needed a guy. So he brought me over there as well. And then I was working for Faction in New York and they said, well, we're opening this L.A. office. Do you want to go work out there and pretty much just go make yourself useful? So I went to L.A. and I moved out here 10 years ago. And in making myself useful, there was Jason Ellis, who at that point was on live three nights a week just alone in a room we would say okay see you later alice and go home and he was just there and he was brilliant with just taking callers and saying shit off the top of his head he'd been he'd been like bursting internally he didn't even realize he wanted he had so many things he wanted to say that he wanted people to listen to that had been welling up in him for his entire life and now there now he could just hit a microphone and people would call in and be like that's hilarious or alice what do you think about this and so you know my mandate was to make myself useful and it was like well the way to make myself useful is to try to give this guy a hand because this is far and away the most exciting thing that's happened. Now how, did
0: you, how did you hear about him through, through... – Well, before
1: I started working on the channel, my buddy Brian was trying to bring me on. So he was saying, check out – because Jason came from – Tony Hawk had and still has a radio show on our channel. He'd be saying, listen to this Australian guy on Tony Hawk's show and isn't he so funny? And then I remember him saying, yeah, they might give that guy his own show and hearing the air check and the line I've quoted a million times – they just wanted him to be a DJ at first. So he came out of a, a Danzig song and he said, uh, "Glenn Danzig is a Satan worshipping midget." And it's not I can't even do it justice because his delivery is
0: at least half of the fun, yeah. you know. Um I remember picking him up. I remember picking him up and listening to him uh on a long car ride and thinking, "Oh, this is badass. This I I don't know I don't know why I thought this." I thought this guy is out of his house up in Calabasas, where he has like a moto park and like, and he's just doing it out of his house. Oh, how fucking badass is this? I, I can see
1: that. The, getting- the, the last studio sounded like we were broadcasting out of a house in Calabasas, it, so you really, can be forgiven for thinking that.
0: But it's 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 the it's the it's you know sometimes it's that it's that under dialogue that you that you draw into stories where you are like, oh fuck yeah, this is real. Like they're not in a studio; they're just doing this out of a fucking bedroom.
1: Yeah. It still kind of feels like I was a
0: little bummed out. I gotta be honest with you. I was a little bummed out when I got when I first did the show and they gave me directions and I went, "Are we going to Fitzsimmons's place? Where Fitzsimmons does his?" And I was like, "Oh, it's a fucking studio." I was like, "I was like, man, I thought I was going to Calabasas."
1: You just missed our our studio until two years ago was in a, a band rehearsal space in West Hollywood. Really. And it was – Jason always says that we were broadcasting in the bathroom, which is not exactly true. In the back, there was um, a creative space, which yeah. before us was Tim Burton's creative space. So it's – I mean I think before he was really, really yeah, Tim yeah, Burton. Yeah, yeah, no, but
0: still that's the – There's worse places it's on It's the Earth. DNA imprint left on the walls. Yeah, that and it, that's,
1: I always thought that was kind of cool. But there was a big bathroom in there that functioned as our our kitchenette. So there there was uh, a fridge right next to the toilet and we called it the bitchin and yeah. it was really 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 grimy and like if it rained the radio we, we couldn't broadcast <laughs> what you thought it was when you heard is exactly what it was oh, like yeah. one of one of the the things I did you know I tried to help Jason get gas I just tried to pitch in however I could and it wasn't like I had any contacts or skill or anything like that um is it, we were right by you know there's the benitos taco stand which was like, it's on Santa Monica. This is probably where Eddie Murphy picked, Yeah, you know, just just the epicenter of transsexual Los Angeles. Yeah. And just like one night, I just, I took 20 bucks and walked over and paid trannies to come and, uh, and be guests on the show. Like, that's what was going on. That's, I, I, so what I, you I, thought it was is exactly what it was. We have a nice studio now and yeah, we're all like pushing 40. I don't, I don't, I make no apologies for having Central Air now. It's, you know, but we we, I, it's, we
0: did our time in exactly what you. think. Yeah, right? you have to have the show in there. However, yeah. the romantic time of the yeah. of of Guns N' Roses practicing in a fucking yeah. in a in a in a in a rental space right, is like that's what you're like I, I want to meet them when they're all street kids
1: that's true right 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 and I would definitely further the band analogy of everybody's the garage days are everybody's favorite days but excuse me find me the band that had a lot of buzz that never quite got out of playing the clubs and yeah. it, I guarantee you it doesn't have the romance for them that it, Oh no, no,
0: the show is much but you know it's so funny that I told you I don't know if I told you this but the people who like your show are all closet people who like your show that you guys don't even know. Really? Yeah, uh Ian Gomez. Um Ian Gomez is married to Nia Dallas who wrote my Big Greg Queer running. Okay. Ian Gomez loves the show. I don't know who he is. I, exactly and he's one of the he's on Cougartown, he's one of the bigger actors working in the city. Oh really? And he's like he fucking texts me. He's like, "Dude, you're on fucking Alice. Why didn't you tell me?" Oh, no way. And I'm like, "Yeah." And he was like, and I was like, "Oh, you, in my head, I'm like, you should totally. I figured he just done it a bunch, but like, uh, Yeah, bring him on by. Yeah, I'll send. I'll send over the. So, so, how soon? What was it like taking the month, taking the year off to write scripts?
1: Uh, well, I never really got out as much as I thought that I would. Um, I think. Well, for one thing, we pretty much immediately went from – we did the band Taint Stick, which renamed ourselves Death, Death, Die. And to the listener, does isn't really that different. But on the back end, Taint Stick was on like a legitimate record label. So we just submitted the album and it came out one day. Death, Death, Die, we released ourselves. And I primarily released it. So a large part of that year – and then we had like just Murphy's Law of Distribution and stuff like that – excuse me so i spent a decent portion of that year like licking stamps and packing
0: cds for the band really?
1: death Death, die out of my house so i yeah. was still very and like we made the woodsman movie i was still very tied in so you're, you're still
0: you're still you're still dial in the matrix
1: yeah 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 and i used to go by there and like do an hour you know a week or something like that and i think it was like I'd gotten used to doing radio and to the extent that I'm good at doing radio, I'd gotten good at doing radio and it was just like a relief to, I was spending the rest of my hours trying to like learn a craft that it's, it's a hard thing to do. Yeah. It's a, very much an uphill climb. And it's like, solitary and uh, I'm a very, like, verbal person, you know, so I just think more and more I'd be like, oh, you guys need a guest or you guys need somebody to help you with the game on the air? I'll come by because it was just so easy and it was rewarding. And then people get on your Twitter and they go, hey, man, great to hear you again, you know, yeah. as opposed to just being in your pit working well, you, on your you guys
0: are. You guys do have somewhat of a, you know, indie band vibe with mm-hmm. with the way you do everything. The Woodsman, Taint t- 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 Stick, Death, Death, Die, the fucking Ellis Mania. Mm-hmm. Like, all these things are these... These almost like grassroots um, art projects, be it mashed up with you know fucking MMA or 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 skateboarding or punk rock or metal or radio or movies, and it's it's so interesting. I always kind of go like, how the fuck, like how do you like? I mean, do you guys? It's it's almost like you guys are like a, a a renaissance production company.
1: Yeah, or we're like a, we're like a collective that just only has like four people in it. Yeah, they could use a much bigger collection. Uh, the Woodsman in particular. I mean, it, I I would if anybody doesn't know what we're talking about, just check out a minute of it. That's all. Always-
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna analogize it. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna logline it. It is uh it is scary movie meets um meets Sharknado.
1: Yeah, that's fair. So I mean, the premise of it, which we came up with on the radio, is. The typical teens go into the woods for the weekend for camping and drugs and sex and stuff, and the deranged psycho starts picking them off one by one. The difference here is Jason's Australian, so they go into the Australian – they go into the bush, and he's this deranged psychopath with a perpetual erection, hence the name The Woodsman. (laughs) <laughs> and and that was like the most DIY thing. I mean, there, there, and I, not that uh, there was a whole lot of uh, Hollywood magic going on that you couldn't pick this out for yourself. But there are scenes where just the group of teens are walking along a road, and like the two porn stars that were supposed to be playing teens didn't show up that day. So just the group walking was filmed on separate days, on separate yeah. paths. So here's <laughs> half the group,
0: and here's the other half. Production wise, I was like, they definitely should have gotten all the group shots that first day. <laughs> I mean, yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty. But the girl takes her top off. It's on youtube i'm watching it and i'm like oh my god she's topless oh i never even thought yeah, about and that then, yeah and joanna angel our great friend yeah and then and then my other the other question was uh the animals oh yeah 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 because we're friendly
1: yeah oh yeah 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 because we're friendly with um this guy called donald schultz who does like nature shows on discovery and geo and stuff like that and yeah he absolutely has uh he's south african he has access to uh not because he's South african but he has access to lizards and stuff like that and we tried to rent a, a kangaroo i think and that was cost prohibitive. It was. It's. It is. It <laughs> I is. don't know if you noticed the kangaroo is actually a guy in a suit.
0: <laughs> I, listen, I'll tell you what. I, I'll tell you what I liked about it, and this is. Uh, it's like you know. Sometimes you do get lost in that clock's broken. Don't pay attention. To that clock. I keep looking at it, and yeah. it tells me nothing. I know. Um, the uh, the the it is it is a f- it is funny. Just Dis- I mean, you, obviously, anyone who's. We might get lost in the production value, and might go. The audio seems off at different things. No one clearly mixed it. Sometimes people are looking at the camera when. Sometimes they talk. people are looking at the camera. <laughs> but 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 like I mean. I laugh like in the and I just say this honestly in the first five minutes I definitely laughed out loud twice like when the dude when the when you're about to give the drugs and they're like there's one way to get these and the girl's about to blow you and the guy goes fuck that and then he starts blowing you Mm -hmm. like that I laughed out loud and but that is something I go back to one of my old managers said is funny is funny no matter if it's shot on a cell phone or in a fucking uh, fucking movie film. Is like something that's funny is funny. And it seemed like that you were a bunch of people having a good time with the movie. And all I could think when I was doing that, all, all I could think when I was watching that was you guys should make a fucking 13-part campy sitcom. Like just really take the idea of a sitcom, turn it on its head, and do it the way you did that and release it weekly and weekly and weekly. Because it's, it's it seemed like – honestly, it seems like you have the brain that that is, that is effortless too, if that makes sense. Uh, a lot of people have good ideas. A lot of people are funny. Very few people can can execute good ideas and funny and make it. Does that make sense?
1: Sure. I mean, I think execution is a critical part of Like to the extent to which we have a, a signature style or hallmarks of what we do. Um, the band and um, the movies that we've made and even the radio show a lot of the time, I think what they have in common is we will take – the the briefest flash of inspiration we will if we have one quick dumb idea that we're like that's funny we're willing to put like days and weeks and months into yeah. doing the most professional and i know the woodsman isn't professional but it was still we still had
0: to go oh, out it's real oh it's professional because i know what it takes to even make that we still had to drive ninety
1: ninety 90 minutes and scout locations to do yeah. that we will take the guys killing all the teenagers but he has a boner he's called the woodsman yeah. We're willing to make, harass our friends to come out. And we did a, uh, and, 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 and realized the thing. And uh, we did a, um, a a movie theater screening of that. I know. I know. Amazing. It was at uh, Lemley. Yeah. Yeah. It was incredible.
0: Uh, I, I, I must've...
1: I mean, not to, like, a huge movie screen.
0: Yeah. I've, I've watched movies there. It's right next to Crunch. <laughs> yeah. I'm well aware. All right. Uh, you need to be out at 11, correct? Yeah, I guess. Okay. So. Okay. Uh, Let's uh, – if you said you want to ask me some questions, I'm going to – as you do that, I'm going to pull up um, all the analogies and then we'll go through and we'll try to analogize the best. Okay. Well, and then I'd love to hear you play a song.
1: Oh, do you want to do that or do you want to just tack one of my songs, like the actual real MP3 onto the end
0: of – Oh, do you want to just do that? Yeah, that'd be great. Oh, better. let's do that. Let's do that. That would be so much better. Okay. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Awesome.
1: Let me. Let me ask you one. There's a lot of things I would ask you about, but uh, I was listening to your podcast the other day and you – introduced the concept of intrusive thought yeah i think i might have a touch of that but i'm not sure
0: if you're good you do
1: (laughs) what's that all about (laughs) so intrusive thought i mean i guess correct me if i'm wrong it's kind of what it sounds like is you will just be in a situation and your imagination will run wild and you will just think of like the most fucked up horrific weird crazy whatever thing that could happen right now and because it's so wrong the thought won't leave you alone is that uh, a, is that a fair definition
0: it's fair I, I would say it's not uh it's not a train of thought it's more like it just shows the fuck up and it's just like uh you know i it it's something that i'm not i that i've it is the worst thought you could ever have in the world like uh I'll give you a perfect example of a very benign one. There was a comic. I want to say it was Pete Holmes, but I'm not certain who it was. That was, um, I got, I, when I started in the Boston comedy club, I worked the door and I got a deal like six months in and I moved to LA and started doing like fucking really legit shit. And so I came back to the Boston comedy club, like during that, during like that year. And then now fucking six kids were barking. They were all out front and they all wanted to get deals. And so I do my show. I ended up shirtless. I ended up in the corner. And I'm sitting in the corner, and this kid, this young kid, comes back. I always want to say it's Pete Holmes, but he sits down next to me and he says, "Hey, I just want to let you know, you are a huge inspiration to us. You know, I never would have thought about barking, and now you made that an opportunity. I was just doing open mics, and he's telling me this thing, and this, and my head just goes, kiss him on the lips, and I'm not gay at all. No, 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 my no, brain just kiss him on the lips. That's the one that I have. Yeah. That's the one that I have uh, uh, numerous times. If I'm comfortable with you, I'll share my intrusive thoughts. Okay. Like, meaning, meaning like if I'm comfortable with you, I'll share my intrusive thoughts. Uh-huh. Like I did it to my buddy. And uh, Patrice O'Neill used to have a great joke about intrusive thought. Patrice's joke was um, I was sitting at a party and this woman sat a baby. And, and, he, and he thought to himself, I wonder how easily I could kill that baby. and then And then the woman said to him, why don't you hold it? I want you to hold it. And he goes, and his brain's going, now the bitch doesn't even want the baby. She doesn't even want it. I should just fucking punt it. I should just punt the fucking baby, throw it on the ground. Just what would happen in this room if I just threw this baby in the ground? Yeah, That's intrusive thought. It just shows yeah. up out of nowhere. Well, And you know what? Uh, I've, thought, I've thought about how easily I could kill infants. And yeah. I used to
1: constantly uh, – I remember many, many times when I was in school, if a teacher was having a really serious one-on-one conversation, I would think if I just leaned in and tried to <laughs> mouth kiss them right yes. now, that would be the wildest thing ever. Again, not that I had any sexual interest in doing that. And it's it's funny that you say how would everybody react to that because yeah. that to me has always been a hallmark of that is what would be the fallout? If I was the guy who, yeah. when Mr. So-and-so is talking to me about my project, everyone knows I just forced my tongue down his throat. Mm-hmm. When I was a little kid even, uh, grew up in a church-going family, used to always think, what if I just bum-rushed the altar and, and knocked the priest off and said, doesn't everybody realize this is a load of horse shit? You know? yeah. And I don't even know how I had arrived at these like agnostic or atheistic feelings, and I don't think I really felt that way. It was just – where would the room go from there yeah how could the room re- ever recover from me having
0: done that i think it's I, I i honestly i i kind of say it's brilliant brains that get them and don't act on them but brilliant brains that get them and then analyze them you mm-hmm. know like i know that i know that maria bamford has it pretty aggressively um and and patrice is the first time i ever heard someone talk about it and i was like oh fuck i got that i've had that my whole fucking life right like just awkwardness like being in the car with your parents and th- and just like oh just oh, man, i mean i can't even say it out loud but like things that your brain just says and you're like why would you fucking say that aren't we on the same team right like i was making love to my wife i said this on stage and this voice in my head goes rip her ears off and i'm like whoa and he's like just do it see if you can do it and you're like i right, fucking right so yeah
1: but then obviously you know the the how neuroses worsen and how you develop genuine complexes is is you got to kind of go with it to resist it and go I got to stop thinking like that or why would I think that or what's wrong with me or if I think that enough does that mean that I actually really 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 want to do it you empower it and that's when you can get it yeah and and, and
0: just having the thought is nothing no it's it's just part of it Maria Bamford you you need to become
1: comfortable with the fact that you occasionally want to kill babies (laughs) cuz you don't
0: really want to kill I don't want to kill any babies. Did you have another
1: question? Uh no, that's the only okay, one good. I need to hit yeah. for now cuz I you tweeted about analogies
0: and uh, I tweeted analogies. Did you get all the ones that everyone sent us? Uh yeah, I did. Did you have any favorite ones? Let's see. <laughs> and by the way, this all starts off because mm-hmm. the last time we were on the podcast, I said, we were talking about putting fingers in chicks asses. And I said, "Oh, I I always did that in college. I was like my first move." I was like I was like uh uh, Lewis and Clark my fingers were like Lewis and Clark and my dick was Sacagawea I forget what I said and 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 very casually you went I think I was more like uh like the, what did you say? Christopher Columbus asking for a pardon from the asking for a grant from the queen before I went off exploring. And
1: right, went, right, right, right. Yeah, I had, I, had to, I had to go and I had to go and, and genuflect before uh, so funny Queen Isabella like, and King Ferdinand before yeah. they would give me the, the, the Nina, the Pinta and the Santa Maria to get in there. Your analogies are always going to be better than mine because you're smarter than I am because you fucking read and you know shit. Uh, um, well, let me tell you uh, a couple of analogies that. Stand out to me that I've heard over the years, first of all, do you ever hear the uh, some there's a famous sports thing that a number of coaches have been uh, have had this quote attributed to them um a tie is like kissing your sister, yeah, it's the worst analogy I've ever heard in my entire life <laughs> I, it It suggests to me that people had a different relationship with their sisters in the nineteen forties and fifties.
0: Like Kissing your si- like, I, I, I'm trying to search our names. A tie is not not like kissing your sister. No, that's, that's a, definitely losing. That's a blowout loss. <laughs> that's a blowout loss. <laughs> wait, what is a tie? That's, like, that, that's a we need to shake up the roster in the off season kind yeah, of what loss. What is a tie then? A tie is like kissing your sister. <laughs> oh fuck, that's funny. A tie is definitely not like kissing your sister at all. No. Um. Wait, what's a tie then? Uh, kissing a hot dude. <laughs>
1: Ty's like making out with Brad Pitt at a party in a closet and no one knows about it. And you're just like, well, I mean, theoretically, this is a
0: very impressive thing that I'm accomplishing. (laughs) I'm impressed that Brad Pitt likes me. Yeah. I know that now I have a good Brad Pitt story. Yeah. But I didn't really get any pleasure out of it.
1: And I love and I thought you might have some uh, reaction to this since you are a Jersey Shore guy. Um, Drew Carey is the first person I heard this one from. I don't know if he made it up. Um. Las Vegas is like going to sleep with a beautiful woman and waking up to find your wallet missing, while Atlantic City is like getting
0: robbed by a crack addict. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. Uh, that's, a, that's a really good one. Um, I used to do the analogy of stand-up was um, starting stand-up in New York. It is, doing stand-up in New York is like working out. They're both like working out, New York and L.A., Work, doing stand up in New York is like working out in the prison yard with the broomsticks and the and the and the pails filled with concrete, and you're just getting strong enough so you don't get assaulted in the shower. Doing stand doing stand up in LA is like working out at a crunch, and you have great abs, and your pecs match your abs, and you have legs, but they can't you can't really defend yourself.
1: That sounds perfect. That yeah. sound, I, having never spent a lot of time in comedy clubs in other place, I
0: suspect you're you're spot on.
1: So, so as okay. for the ones that people. Uh, sent us on on Twitter.
0: The first time a girl farts in front of you.
1: The first time a girl farts in front of you is like finding out about self-employment tax. (laughs) Hear me out. (laughs) Because you're like, I mean, you have to have had some 1099
0: income to to relate to this one, I think. I can't fucking beat that. That's so fucking better. Anything I said is gonna be so
1: hackneyed. Like That's what it's like though, right? Is you're just so excited that you did something and you made this big chunk of money and you know that there's a downside to it. You know that, you know, that you're gonna to have to go and pay twenty-five percent or whatever on it, and then you go to your uh, you go to your accountant and you go, Yeah, so I made blah blah blah, and here's the twenty five, and they go, Well, but what about the self employment tax? And you're just like well, nobody told me about that bit. Yeah. And it takes a lot of the fun out of the bit that
0: you do get to keep. Oh, fuck. That is, it, it's a disservice to people that you're not doing stand-up. That is fucking hilarious. That, by the way, that's a bit. Right there, you could do that on stage. Okay. My chick far in front of me the other day. Finding a chick far in front of you is kind of like learning about self-employment tax. It's, it sounds stand-uppy. It's. Stand up. Trust me. I do it for a living. Yeah. Like, (laughs) uh, yeah, it's fucking that, by the way, if, uh, there, there, that is something translate immediately to stage. I mean, I've always taken analogies and said, like I had an analogy about my wife getting, um, dating a woman uh, for a man is like you're this stallion on this mountain racing across the mountaintop. That's what a single man is. It's that power. No saddle. The rain washing through your coat. You can see the muscles through the coat of the animal and the lightning strikes and you're rearing up and then these women are these diseased settlers at the bottom of the mountain like, I need a horse. And so they fucking climb up with a bag of carrots and carrots are blowjobs. And they give you a carrot, but they don't... It's the switch of the carrot versus the petting. And like, you don't even know you're being petting and now you're getting petted and now there's a saddle on you and now they want you to run but when you start running, when they don't want you, do they pull back? And they're like, "Whoa, we can't do shots at a child's party." Like those analogies are like something I do because they're more long-winded. Yeah. But like, do you
1: leave notes with these sort of sentiments on your, under your wife's pillow?
0: Yeah, she knows. She knows how I feel. <laughs> okay, well, let's keep going. <laughs> Have you read these yet? I love is our love, I is, love is
1: like cholera. Um. Yeah, I. Th- I think I read. I don't. I read the ones that had come up when you first uh, tweeted about it.
0: Uh, well, waking up after blackout drunk. Let me start because yours is going to be better than mine. Okay. Waking up like after blackout drunk is like an episode of Quantum Leap. You constantly are like, huh, what? What's Jimmy? Who's Jimmy? You got to figure out everything at the exact same instant. You're like, oh, okay, I'm in it. All right, cup of coffee. Let's start moving.
1: Yeah. Uh, to me, waking up after a blackout drunk is a little bit like being framed for murder. Because <laughs> you have, you, you've, you know, things have gone wrong, <laughs> but you have absolutely no idea why. And you don't necessarily get all the pieces of what went wrong delivered to you in the most, like, linear fashion. Yes. It's just more like the position that you left your shoe on the floor is like, oh, yeah, when I went home, I didn't go right to bed. Yeah. That's when I tried to shove my shoe up my ass or whatever you did.
0: <laughs> Waking up, like, b- after blackout drunk is like getting thrust into a play you don't know the lines to. Like you just literally, you walked into the play, and you're like, "Okay, I see where everyone's standing. I know where I need to stand." <laughs> oh, yeah. So you must be who I'm married to, right? Right. And I don't. This is not an analogy,
1: but the the bluff of especially if you know the other people you were partying with are right around. You know, you all crash the same house or whatever. Of the how would a person act if they hadn't done anything? moronic last night yeah let me act like that on the odd chance that that's the case
0: (laughs) uh it's it's like uh it's like being um it's like being the gay cousin at at thanksgiving how's that is that uh the gay cousin at thanksgiving everyone always get knows he's gay but he can't come out with it so you have this like moment where you're like i understand the way i'm dressed that we all know what we're no one's going to mention it and that's the way you wait that's the way you that's why you walking into the living room right. okay, after yeah, a blackout yeah. drunk is like being the gay cousin of yeah, yeah yeah
1: it's like yeah at some point somebody's going to pull you aside like your uncle yeah. and just be like <laughs> hey we know hey hey look man look man i just want to know I, I i don't hold it against you <laughs> and that's the best you're gonna get yeah right <laughs> okay let's see what else do we have here i love i love creativity um i love analogies it's really really hard to manufacture them especially uh from from twitter uh like somebody put in uh uh, suggested taylor suggested trying to have sex when you have to shit and i just said that's like trying to get useful information or suggestions from twitter (laughs) (laughs) yeah i love twitter but it has a very specific and limited utility
0: Trying to have sex when you have to shit is like uh have you ever had have you ever, have you ever had two things in your hand and a backpack on one shoulder and it's about to fall off and you're just kind of balancing it and you know that if it falls off everything's falling out of your fucking hands that's what fu- having having sex with when, when uh, having sex when you have to shit's like
1: right okay which then therefore makes it a little bit like when it used to be uh, on the tonight show they'd have the plate spinners yeah
0: it's it, yeah it's it's
1: like having the one really wobbly plate at the one at at the one end
0: yeah it's like uh and and it's it's like being on a roller coaster uh that only goes thirty miles an hour. Like it, <laughs> you can't really enjoy That's it. That's really
1: funny. Yeah, it's like it's like
0: driving an expensive sports car but never going above the speed limit. It's like it's like valet parking an expensive sports car. <laughs> you're like, yeah, you're in it, yeah. but you can't have fun in it.
1: That's funny. I think yeah, you, you definitely get that one. That's exactly what it's okay. like. Okay. <laughs> I mean it's I'm happy to say it's been a long time since I tried to have sex when I had to
0: shit. Uh, I'll just shit.
1: Yeah, that's one of the the perks of marriage. By the way,
0: I'll even make sure I've pissed. I'll be like, before we start, let me go piss. I'm just going to make sure. Because the real analogy is having sex when you have to piss. Which is? That's valet parking a sports car. That's valet parking a sports car. Yeah, Because you cannot enjoy it and you know there's going to be no payoff. Because the whole time you're like I think I'm pissing in her. <laughs> uh the heuristics the stories of losing your virgin uh, what would you how how would you analogize your vir- losing your virginity story?
1: Oh, okay. Well, I think again I heard you talking about this recently and I think you and I had wildly different experiences. Yours was good. No, it wasn't good. So in that sense not all that different, but I think I was um Self-conscious enough that I actually had, like, pretty crazy
0: endurance.
1: Really? Yeah. Yeah, the first time I had sex, I, I remember it was actually hard
0: for me to finish. It probably took about 30 minutes. So funny. My buddy Eddie said he, he faked it. He was yeah. like, oh, I just faked it. And I, I can see like, that. I can see that. I was like, I wish. A fucking, so, so whereas yours was a walk through Appalachia with no real payoff. <laughs> yeah. Mine was... uh Mine was a hike up Runyon Canyon. <laughs> right. Well, and mine was like...
1: Uh, Yours was Kilimanjaro. Well, it was just more like... Because at that point, obviously, I'd like jerked off a whole bunch. And now it was like, wow, this girl will have sex with me. But I... I don't
0: know. Did you jerk off before his... sex? No, no. No, 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 I didn't. I wish I'd done that the first time.
1: I, I'm glad I didn't. I'd still be yeah. there. You know? But uh, it was more... I mean, this is a very crude and cruel thing to say. But it was more like jerking off with something that had feelings and just being like, this is the thing I've been trying to do for the longest time. And now that I'm doing it, there's an actual human being attached to this that I don't, that I don't totally really like
0: jerking off, jerking off. You were jerking off with a hand that had feelings and judgment. (laughs) Like that jerking off with something that had feelings is so, yeah, that's so funny. Uh, My, cause I, my first time I accidentally put my dick, under I, I didn't even fuck her it went it was between her butt cheek and the bed <laughs> and that's when i came uh-huh. and and then and i don't really talk about this much but then i had to have sex with her after i'd already compromised the integrity of the condom and i had to then because i I hadn't done anything mm-hmm. and she would already said i'll have sex with you right there i am fucking the bed so and, butt to, cheek. In, yeah, and it, then i had to, to go in now the marinating in your own natural juices it was like uh it was like um it was like uh getting ready to go on a hike and jumping in the river and getting your socks all nice and wet before the hike. It was enjoyable. <laughs> right, 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 it was right. uncomfortable. It was messy. I was just going to say I like having like I, having
1: sex with an Italian sub, but that yeah, works too. It's
0: like it's like uh it's like getting it's like getting in the shower with all your clothes on and then going out in the rain. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. I like that. It was a, it was a, it really kind of scarred me. For a little while. Yeah. No, I
1: mine too. Mine bummed me out for a while. Really? Yeah. Did definitely. you have sex with her
0: again or just that one time? Oh, yeah, like five more times. Um. Wh- okay. Someone says, seeing cables, your girlfriend forgot to flush. What are cables? Are we talking oh, about
1: Oh, God. Uh, how, are all of these just about shit?
0: Yeah, I think they're all... Well, that's Twitter's...
1: Um. Well, I, how different is that from the first time a girl farts in front of you? It's, it's not it's, very... it's kind of self-employment the... tax all over again. It's just... Uh, well... Well okay I would actually compare that one to um somebody just said straight up shitting yourself oh uh, sh- sh-
0: uh, shitting yourself is like shitting yourself is like f- squirrel flute uh squirrel suit base jumping
1: okay it's a yours fucking, is yours is already better than mine Go it's ahead.
0: a ton of risk that you don't realize until the one time you fuck it up and you're ruined because like, there's so many times that you, like, fart and you go, I think I'm going to shit, and you just roll the dice on it. Yeah. There's so many times – shitting your pants is like getting a DUI. You get away with <laughs> it so much that you think you'll never get fucking caught. Perfect. And then one day you're like, I'm fucked. Right.
1: And there's nothing different about it. It's not like
0: – And by the way, I don't drink and drive. But No, I know. Yeah. But,
1: but it's, it's not – Uh. oh, that, but that was the time I went 10 miles per hour faster or uh, – y- yeah. y- you did everything exactly the same but it just wasn't your day. Yeah, I said uh hold on. Uh shitting yourself much like the your girlfriend's cabs <laughs> is like accidentally playing porn in public. And here's why. Like if just imagine if you were at a Starbucks or something and you had your laptop and somehow oh, you accidentally Oh, that's even, a fucking great one. Because everybody shits and everybody watches porn, but when you expose that side of yourself to the general public, particularly to
0: strangers, you are the scourge of humanity. When, when you pull up your computer on a fucking airplane. Yeah. That is the analogy. That's the analogy. That's what shitting That's yourself is. That's the analogy. Shitting yourself is like... You, you
1: should have nothing... You, theoretically, you should have nothing to be ashamed of. We've all got porn in our computers. Yours happen to be on. Oh, ha, 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 ha. Yeah. Pretend you didn't see it. Make a little joke. Move on. But d- that doesn't mean that you're this like criminally deranged... uh right.
0: Uh, compulsive masturbator it should be no reflection on your character however for the people that witnessed it it's a reflection on your character
1: yeah yeah shitting yeah and shitting your pants in public means that you have this uh like this corrupt black soul that needed to let
0: let a little bit out of your butt i shit my pants in front of a guy we were buying a refrigerator from in best buy Uh uh-huh and i just i I thought it was a fart and i shit my pants i'm with my kids and my wife and i went and i just happened and i went i shit my pants we gotta leave i gotta go to the bathroom my wife's like oh and but this poor guy was not prepared for a guy to shit his pants while buying a fridge nobody ever is and he was just like oh my god like i guess you guys are going home and my wife's like he'll be back he's going to the bathroom he does it a lot i shit my pants a lot i shit my pants probably more than the average person Uh uh-huh um they loved you in japan huh (laughs) those toilets in japan i absolutely was obsessed yeah i want one in my house so bad you have no fucking idea um you can buy them i know that's what they say then you just hook it up to the fucking yeah water thing in your house i'm I'm gonna buy one i'm gonna buy one they're
1: like 500 bucks my kids
0: will be sitting on it all day long yeah 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 fucking did you know why your fingers get um get pruned when they get wet? No. Uh because water is slippery. So it is your body's natural reaction to creating more area space for traction. So
1: why are our testicles on the outside?
0: To keep them at room temperature. Why is that? Um, in case we want to serve them at a cocktail party. <laughs>
1: Why do your your balls need to be in the outside? I don't know. Why? Because um, for the body to uh, make useful sperm, we make sperm at like 97 degrees or 96 degrees, not 98. Really? That's the reason why. But that – and I'm surprised you didn't know that. I I feel like that's a – at least in my world on the Jason Ellis show, that's just like (laughs) common knowledge. But the follow-up question to that is why could the body not evolve – To make sperm, like of all the things that you talked about, the finger thing, just procreation in general, that was the one last little bit that the body could not figure out how to make sperm one degree warmer. Yeah. It suggests to me that man's desire to play with his nuts actually
0: overrode Evolution, like like the body was like, we got this, and he's like, no, no, I'm gonna pull them down. They're a little <laughs> yeah. too hard to get to where they're at.
1: Yeah, like the the, the one genetic freaks is one his closer to the body, and the yeah. guy's like, no. I remember, I remember, I like everyone okay. made fun of that guy for having a tiny scrotum. He was not able to procreate, him. <laughs> and the guys with the big saggy balls uh, prevailed
0: once again. I feel like I'm the only one that has this, but like I feel like there's like a there's like a a scar from my asshole to my balls, like a line of skin. Oh no, that's very common. Yeah, but like, and then I remember I was with a girl, and I said, I said, so crazy, what is that? And she goes, oh, that's where God sewed you up. Jason went, says that all the time. That's but, the only, it's the only other person I've heard say that. And this girl, Kristen Maddox, said that's where God sewed you up. And then I went, yeah, but God didn't need to sew anybody up. Which then I started like panicking. Was I born a hermaphrodite? Was I born with a vagina? And they sewed it is that my like what, like the freak guy that's got one of these yeah like i'm like and i've i think about that all the time <laughs> like when when kids are born hermaphrodites
1: the doctor sends their parents home with the book yeah <laughs> so you're raising a hermaphrodite yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and the guy, the doctor's like don't worry i see this a lot it's a pussy below the dick i'll take care of it
1: <laughs> you just tell him that's where god sewed him up like he's a teddy bear
0: this is where god sewed you up right um uh what you, you got to get out of here right? Yeah, there's a couple yeah.
1: more of these right. Um uh what is it like when people owe you money? Oh. That's
0: a hard one. Uh it's like it it's like having a threesome with your wife. I don't lend money. I don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> I won't I won't owe pe- I won't lend people money. I if I will give people money, I'll definitely give someone money, mm-hmm. but I will not uh, lend money. I just it I remember the first time I was asked, I was like, it, nope, you're my friend. I can't do it because I'm yeah. going to always want that money back.
1: Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I mean I I would like to think that – I can't remember the last time anybody asked me for for money. We live in this credit age. I feel like this is like a threes company scenario of somebody, yeah. somebody owes you
0: 20 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Have, it's, like, it's like being in an Archie, Archie Bunker's house. It doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> no,
1: it doesn't happen anymore at all. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, I mean I'd like to think that if I had the money and a friend needed it that I would just like be like, well – my friends are pretty cool and I wouldn't give you money if you weren't a dick. And so if you can't give it back to me yet, that's because, wow, wow, things are pretty rough for yeah. you and what's money really compared to life and friendship and all that. But I did think that um, a – how should I say this? a uh, a A somewhat powerful Hollywood organization recently for about a year owed me like 500 bucks. Really, and I just like I'm the kind of person. It's probably politically. It's just easier to just be like, oh, "That's cool, five hundred bucks. I don't need five hundred bucks, and I don't even necessarily need five hundred bucks." But I was yeah. like, "So where's my five hundred bucks?" Yeah, and it's like you guys, you guys have it. Like every single person in this building has like in their pocket. Like just give me my five hundred bucks. <laughs> so that's a little bit like when your like older sibling or or cousin holds the ball and makes you jump for it and pulls it away from you. <laughs> That is that when feeling. somebody owes you money and they've got it. That's kind of what that's like.
0: It's almost like getting bullied. Like, I I don't mind if you fuck with me. Yeah. But, like, if you fuck with me and you make me feel like I'm less than a human being, Mm -hmm. that's when I get upset. Like, anyone can fuck with me. I don't, like, I don't take offense to anything. Very hard to offend me. Very hard, if there is humor or good nature behind anything, then I'm, like, I'm in. Yeah. I don't mind being the butt of a joke. I don't mind being mocked. I don't mind any of that like but like and i i do that i I, like not to go back to radio but like i do that on like my buddies on like my buddies you guys and like cowhead my butt is one of my really good friends is one of my best friends he lives in tampa or his name is mike calta but like he goes on the show and he will definitely bully me and we have gotten into fucking like outright like people said are you guys cool we're always cool because we're real friends like you know like uh, we will fuck with each other just like we would at dinner in front of a bunch of people like that's I don't know. It's one of the things that I feel like I didn't reiterate that enough when I said that. Like, when going on your show is fun, but like it's it's being held to the fire. No, it's fun. I, I get it. I I just I just do you feel like to people check. think that? No,
1: I don't. No, I don't. And that's the reason why I I wanted to check is because yeah. I, I I do trust my sense of those sorts of things, as everyone does. That you yeah. generally, for the most part, you can tell when you're offending people. But I am aware that in a vacuum. If you just tuned into the show for the first time, and maybe you know Bert says, "Hey, on my Twitter, check this out," and they don't know who the hell me and Jason are, and they're just yeah. like, "Why are they just relentlessly being an asshole to this guy?" It's it's more because I didn't think that we did that, you but I, I am aware that if you look at the if we were to just get a stenographer to write it down, yeah. it might appear that we were
0: badgering. No, him. you didn't. No, I don't think you did. Good, what other ones were on there? Uh,
1: I think there's one more. Um, uh, pea soup on Twitter said. Uh what are allergies like in an analogy? Do you have you ever had allergies?
0: Oh yeah, I have yeah, allergies. Me, me too. Uh um allergy allergies, in my opinion, are like uh it's like I'm I, I know the perfect example, but I can't I, I know the perfect what I'm trying to say. I can't think of the perfect example. It's like uh for me, because my throat will hurt and then I'll think, "Oh shit, I have cancer," and then I'll spin out. And then someone will say, "Oh, it's allergies." Mm-hmm. And you're like, "Oh shit!" It's like finding out with that key unlocked because, like, you don't realize it's you don't you just never use that door, and then you open it. And you're like, "Oh fuck!" It's just that. Like, yeah. um, but they're annoying as shit. It's almost like it's almost like uh like, it's like getting a blowjob when a woman has a snuffly nose, you, or it's like getting a blowjob with a TV on. It's like you can't ignore them. But you right. just try to go about your business.
1: Right, yeah, life must go on. Yeah. But they're a perpetual distraction. To me, um, yeah, allergies are like spending time time with a toddler, particularly if it's like your kid and you're responsible for it. <laughs> and vice versa, toddlers are like allergies as well. Toddlers <laughs> are like allergies. They're not that bad, but they are fucking relentless. <laughs>
0: Dude, it's a. I'm being dead serious. Uh-huh. If you don't get on stage, you you've got you've got seven minutes right there. That's your first. That's your first. I mean, and then you when you just start doing that about your life, mm-hmm. about when you really start putting in thought into what your life's like. Yeah, you, you're, the the dialogue you'll have with the audience will be very seamless and very fucking hilarious. Okay, and I'm certain it. that you could probably write. You could write tonight. You could probably write twenty set-up punches about your life. And then what will happen is those will all mature you into the next phase of your stand-up, which will be this more longer form stream of consciousness, what you do on radio, but heightened. Okay. I think you really should, man. You're one of the funnier guys I've ever been lucky enough to meet wow. at, at this age. And I'm being serious. Like, you know, when you're younger, you meet guys that are funny and you're like, everyone's fucking funny. Then you're 42. You're like, nah, eh, not everyone's funny. And there are a lot of people that try. Yeah. May-
1: you- yeah maybe we were all just kind of finding each other.
0: Yeah. You but know. you but when I I mean the first time I hung out with you I thought you were funny and I was like and you were like you were like a legit dude. You weren't like a fluff dude. You well, I think that's probably, you know, shrapnel of hanging out with Jason. He's not a very fluff dude. You know? <laughs> right, 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 and right. So right, right. and so I, as soon that's as that's very said, that's very true yeah
1: he's not i dude i'm i'm like i have like a four and two boxing rec- record at this point that's <laughs> o- owing strictly to ellis manias and therefore owing jason but yeah i am a i'm a boxing veteran <laughs> granted i'm fighting other shitheads like myself yeah but the experience of like going to the gym and then putting in your mouthpiece and you know touch gloves and go at it like it's is something like i am somewhat jaded to at this point <laughs> because of knowing
0: him so you've yeah, been you've been you've been uh be, uh, being a co-host on Ellis is like uh, is like it's like going to war. Like you, it's like being dropped off on uh, on Omaha Beach, but you're with the guy that's the real man. Come on, we're going into the fucking water. Don't care how deep it is, we can swim. You're boxing tomorrow. This is a, you're gonna learn how to get tapped out. This yeah. is fucking baptism by fire.
1: Well, right, and it's a little bit like um, a a mushroom trip if you've done lots and lots of drugs because we are so freeform and we take so few breaks and we have a plan but we you know don't always follow it and even when we follow it it's not necessarily the way that we planned to plan it yeah it, it's it's we're here and and we're going to do this for 4 hours and we have absolutely no idea what that's actually going to look like and that's like scary the first however many times but we've done this before Yes. Somehow, some way, it's going to be four hours. I'll do it again today. I'll leave here and I'll run over there and we'll turn on mics and I have no idea what we're going to talk about. You guys
0: are like a Bob Ross painting on acid.
1: And four hours four hours later, we'll still be talking and we'll have said some stuff that we, you know, I don't know if it'll be entirely original, but we'll have said a whole bunch of stuff we've never said before and we'll have no idea how we did it and then we'll do it again the next day.
0: So, uh, last two questions. Number one, okay. where can everyone find that Jason L i show? It? I know it's on Faction, yeah. but I, the, the thing that's fucked up and I wish Sirius and XM could do this is that i i get i just listen to you guys on the app mm-hmm. on the phone that's where i get all my streaming yeah it's the app is fantastic if you don't have the sirius xm app get it get a subscription and just that's the easiest way it goes right in your car just get on your phone but yeah. what what channel are you guys
1: okay we're channel 41 um and we're on from noon eastern to 4 p.m pacific which is three to seven east coast monday through friday also if you're listening on the app this is really really cool that sirius did this um channel 713 which is obviously very far away from 41 but adjacent on the app is a jason ellis show channel it's just that plays 24 hours a day seven days a week best ofs that's
0: that's where i listen to you guys often and think because i just type in jason ellis show and that's what comes up
1: right so that's really cool but otherwise yeah yeah, we're on four hours every afternoon and
0: then uh five years from now ten years from now you're still doing the ellis show because that's a passion project. That's your Ben Stiller show. That's something that uh, the real fans are attached to. What other projects would you like to do? Like, what other things would you like to have done? Like, would you like to have had under your belt? A screenplay? You know, a book? Yeah. Yeah. I've, everybody has that one big screenplay
1: idea, right? That, you know, and you get, uh, uh, Nervous that someday you're going to hear that there's the movie coming out that's your big idea and when are you yeah. going to get to it and all that. I'm like a really big dabbler, you know, like I think it's really cool. I never plan to do radio and and I, this is like a terrible career plan. You should totally find one thing and go at it doggedly. And instead, I like I wouldn't mind dabbling in a little bit of stand up. I'm happy that I've, you know, co-written books and maybe maybe one day I would write one of my own. Um, uh, I would love to have gotten a movie written, sold hopefully in a perfect world made i'd love to still be active in music there, i have this thing right now i wrote this song i know you mentioned that you're uh, an nxs fan obsessed so you don't just give up on old bands just because they're not fashionable oh, or whatever not one me. of my favorite bands that i listen to all the time as much as any other band is this um this 90s australian alt pop group called frente some people remember some people won't they oh. had a couple of hits i just wrote a song the other day and i was like oh my god this is like uh the singer of the band her name is angie hart i was like this is this is her song. And I reached out to her on Twitter and she's like, yeah, I don't know, maybe. So I just sent her a demo of the song and I'm hoping that this, this woman who's one of my favorite singers of all time is going to record my song.
0: Dude,
1: that's a genius idea. Ten years, ten years, but it wasn't the idea. It just was noodling
0: with my right, guitar, no, you know, with yeah. my kid,
1: and I was just like, "Oh, that's a song." And I was like, "Oh, that's not a me song. That's a her song, right there." And I would just love. I I feel so fortunate in my in my bathroom at home. I have you know, Taint Stick. Our original band was on the Billboard charts, and like I have the uh, framed like. I did a thing that was on the Billboard chart, and we've had the radio show that's had its success, and the Ellis Manias has had its success. And the book was the first book was a New York Times bestseller, and I haven't got around to framing that yet, but I have that, the, the Times. And man, if this singer that I'm a humongous fan of uh, it, it, it recorded one of my songs, and I just had that, like as long as you can, the, probably the proudest day of my life was the first time I was. Started making my entire living from creative work because when I started with serious, it was just like, well, if you sweep up at the end of the day, we'll let you play around on the radio as well. So when yeah. I started making my entire income from just being creative, you know, and if I I don't I don't really know, I will just something else will come up and I'll do one of those and something else will come up. One of, And if 10 years from now, I could be like, man, I did a lot of different, really weird stuff. And I made a living doing it. It's like, uh, it. It's, hold
0: on one second. I'm going to tell. I'm going to introduce you to a guy. I don't. You may not know, or you probably do. But um, uh, he's on my podcast list. His name is, his name is Brian Koppelman. Do you know who that is? Mm-mm. Brian Koppelman is the uh. Fuck. I'm, I'm gonna. I got to do this because I, I just got introduced to his podcast. It's pretty fucking fantastic. He's an amazing interviewer. Um, but hold on one second. Brian Koppelman, and you'll be impressed with who he is. Not not impressed, but like, sorry, that sounded weird. But you'll be like, oh, shut the fuck up. So I know that he wrote the movie Rounders. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sure. He wrote uh I'm gonna pull up his IMDB. Um he wrote the movie Here we oh, I've already I've clearly already looked at this. He wrote the movie Rounders, the movie The Illusionist, The Lucky Ones, Solitary Man. He also um started by uh booking Eddie Murphy as a comedy club act. Mm-hmm. He was also discovered the singer-songwriter Tra- Tracy Chapman. Uh-huh. Um he was the president. He was uh, he worked for Giant Records. He w- Giant, worked yeah. as an A&R guy as Elektra and Giant and SBK and EMI. He then wrote the movie Rounders, the movie Rock Knock Round guys. He also did a movie recently. Um I forget, but he's he's a Renaissance man, and it's what mm-hmm. you seem to have in you is a Renaissance-esque. The last question, I just keep thought of it. I'm keep. i going to let you go in a second, I swear to God. Um, so you do an album, 10, you do an album, you write all the songs for your favorite 10 artists, or five artists, let's just say five artists, it's like an EP. Oh, I thought about doing this a million times. What um, would be the songs, what would be the artists that you'd pick yeah. to write for?
1: Right, uh, a, a lot of them would be, People that you probably wouldn't have heard of. Just uh, say the, them, because then people can
0: Google them. And, yeah. And get so, into so shit.
1: Angie Hart from Frente, and I'm so happy. I hope she says. I hope she says yes. Hope she. Everyone, hit up song. Angie
0: Hart from Frente on Twitter and tell, <laughs> tell her, her to do it. Yeah. Tell her to do it. That would be so cool to hear. <laughs> I mean, it's just such a genius fucking idea. No one does that. No one just sits and writes. Uh, like mostly, you get a deal. You get a publishing deal right. where you write, and then they submit it, and then they put it on their album.
1: Yeah. Who yeah. Else? Um. My favorite band of all time is there's this English band from the 90s. Nobody remembers called the Auteurs. The auteur is the French word for author. Yeah. And I actually on my album I did a song that's just a straight up like and it was the same thing. I don't I don't I don't I'm not clever enough to maybe Prince could go, I'm gonna write a Bruce Springsteen song and just come up with one. Yeah. It, to me it's the other way around of like As you wrote it, you went, Oh shit. Oh that's my god, who that's that is. totally that guy. Yeah. I'm halfway there. I can't hide it. Let me just do it. You yeah. know, and if if that guy would would feel like recording
0: that song, what's his name? Let's see if his, he's on Twitter.
1: His he's on Twitter as well as well. His name is Luke Haynes.
0: Guys, Luke Haynes. Luke right. Haynes.
1: Hit him. This uh, is the EP we're gonna create. Okay, cool. I actually, do you know it's funny? I didn't even think of this. I wrote a Bruce song. I woke up one morning like a Badlands, the River era Bruce. I woke up one Sunday morning and I had a song. It's called um, what the hell is it called? Uh, say goodnight to the dark Or say goodbye to the dark I forget but I woke up and I had the whole thing I mean down to the Clarence Clemens sax part In really? my head yeah I don't know why Bruce Would be interested in some half assed rehash Of shit he did 30 years ago but I've got that one ready to go If Bruce wants to I bet there's to. a Bruce
0: cover band That would love to do it yeah I bet there's a Bruce cover Band that would love to fucking do it you're right Keep going oh this is almost a genius idea as it is. Yeah, yeah what yeah, if yeah. you wrote original songs I, And then I, had cover bands do them
1: that's that's it, it's a lot more apt to happen than the original artist. So Marcy would be way up there. Oh for my me. god, a fucking and we'll talk about Marcy's middle time. I got to go. And then you know who else? the The most underrated singer of all time, uh even though she is well regarded, uh johnette Napolitano from Concrete Blonde. Oh no, I didn't. Yeah, I've people, listened to Concrete Blonde. Yeah, people familiar with the song Joey that was kind of a hit. Yeah. she's devastating and she's totally still got it. I've seen her playing in L. A. uh and by all accounts she makes no effort to take care of her voice and it's it's aged better than a lot of people who haven't take care of their voices she's just an absolute force of nature i've kind of got a song for her too now that we're talking about it
0: okay so you guys heard all those please do me a favor put me tully and might as well put ellis in it i'm Mm -hmm. having ellis on the podcast tomorrow Mm -hmm. i'll probably release these same week back to back okay or maybe i'll space them out a, a week um but um but I, I really appreciate you doing this, man. I'm so
1: happy. I'd love to do it again. I'm- of
0: course. Oh, of yeah. course. It, the conversations usually get uh, – what I found is that like the f- introductory, the one's fine. But then the next time we talk, it's all about just whatever the f- shit we dig. Talk about stuff. Yeah. Know. Um. And so you can find them at Tully, T-U-L-L-Y, uh, on uh, on Twitter. Uh, your Instagram's – At Tullywood. At Tullywood. And uh, you can – I
1: never post anything. I'm a very inoffensive follow on both really.
0: I uh, – I'm. I'm going to stop talking. Uh, I'm. Uh, you can hear him on Faction. Uh, he's on from, you heard it, noon to three. Noon to four. Noon to four, three to seven on the East Coast. Yep. Uh, on SiriusXM. Dude, a I appreciate pleasure. it. I had a blast. Yeah, let's see it again you, sometime. All right, guys. Sorry for the horrible audio. I'm up at Ca- Cave of the Winds. Where are we, Cave of the Winds? Cave of the Winds, and I'm posting this right now. And this is this song by Mike Tully, as promised. It's called Auto... Dafé, the name of the album it's on is Retrofit. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you, Mike. I know you're listening to this. Wait a minute, never mind. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you, Mike, for being my guest.